And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2023, and uh, we ain't got no theme this month, uh, and I had to do a solo episode to kick off the new year, but hey, as you may have noticed by Kyle's presence on the mic, uh, he is back. Uh, so here in week two of 2023, uh, Kyle kind of had the pick, so I'm going to kick it off to you, Kyle. Uh, what uh, what film did you have us review this week? Fire! It's nice to be back, Trevor. Uh, I picked uh, The Menu from, is this 2022 or 2023? When did this technically drop? Uh, 2022. 2022. Uh, yeah, this was one that was not on my radar at all until it dropped on HBO Max. I noticed it a few weeks ago. And at first I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this looks like a stupid... Oh, can we just be done with the fucking chefs? Because the dude from Shameless has got a show about being a chef. And, like, I could not give a shit less about this. I've watched some Chef's Table. It's very entertaining. But God, do not need a movie about it. And when I watched the preview for this, I'm like, oh, this is not that at all. This is something a bit different. And I'm like, and you got Ray Fiennes for this? Hmm. And our girl, Anna Taylor-Joy. Uh, she's has she put in she been in a bad movie? No. If you've got those two, one of those two basically right now, it's probably guaranteed to be at least entertaining. So I'm like, I know you've got HBO Max. I'm like, let's just uh let's just pull the trigger on this cuz I got finished watching it. I'm like, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, full transparency folks. Uh this was uh, a very haphazardly constructed episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyle and I were just kind of like texting out of the blue. It took like a full day of just kind of like shuffling our feet to figure out what the fuck we were doing this week. We are high stepping out of the holiday fog. Like we are just trying to get out and get back to normal, uh, back to a schedule here. <laughs> oh yeah. No, my, my, uh, my arteries are clogged with pie and gingerbread and Turkey and all those lovely things. Oh, um, I threw my I'm... back. I threw my back out a couple of days ago. I'm just now getting back to back to good. So I haven't even been working out the last couple of weeks. So I'm going insane. Last couple weeks, son. Yeah. Try two months. <laughs> I am soft, as the kids say. Corn dogs. Um, <laughs> a lot of co- actually, I've been having a hankered for corn dogs. We had corn dogs a couple days ago. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. The girlfriend has actually yeah. been teasing me about that. Mm. We were at a farmer's market with like quote artisanal corn dogs or something. Oh yeah. And I didn't get one. Like, that was like six months ago, but I've never forgotten about that. So, mm. corn dogs are corn very dogs. much in my future. Someday, someday there will be corn dogs in this house. But anyway, uh, speaking of the menu, um, I will correct you and say that Anya Taylor Joy has indeed done at least one bad film, uh, and that would be The New Mutants. Oh, I didn't um, watch I, that. No. I seriously doubt you would have watched that. Kyle is not a, a Marvel person or. As we learned with our masterclass of the X-Men films, not really an X-Men person either. <laughs> not really a comic book guy, but I actually... Not really a comic book guy, except for Spawn. Except there for is, fucking Spawn. There is, a, there is a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out this year, so I will be going to the theaters for that. Ah, well, Kyle's actually going to the theaters for a, for a Marvel fucking movie. Holy yeah, shit. For that one, yeah. That's a rare occurrence, folks, in case mm-hmm. you're not aware. But yeah, the New Mutants is terrible <laughs> it's it. it's yeah. real fucking bad uh hopefully we'll get to review it someday yeah um but yeah i actually i i hadn't thought of it until you brought it up during your intro uh, just now but 
we are kind of inundated with like foodie and, and chef media lately, like mm-hmm. chef fiction, if you will, not just reality TV and whatnot. Cause there was also, um, there was also like a, a one take film, uh, about a chef that's set in a restaurant and it's, it's like a stitch, it's stitched together to appear as if it's one shot. It came out, I think 2022 also, uh, maybe 2021. Uh, you'll have to look into that because okay. I, I heard some good buzz about it. It's not a stunningly reviewed film. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. But point is, chef media is very much in vogue these days. And uh, thankfully, this film takes a, a little bit of a, a subversive angle on that kind of stuff. So yeah. it actually kind of earns its place amongst all those other chef-related medias. But um, yeah, this was a movie that I, I had heard uh, a decent amount of good things about um it is slightly divisive as far as i understand um funny enough among uh critic circles i did notice a pattern of some people think like some critic types thinking it too obvious and therefore like eye eye roll worthy mm-hmm. whereas like normal joes like myself and you we kind of really like it yeah <laughs> we really like it yeah, <laughs> yeah no uh, spoiler alert uh, both of us really enjoyed this film um, however, myself, I, I found myself um, bombarded with perhaps a little too much sub sub and meta text uh, to the point that it was getting distracting. It didn't detract from the quality of the film. It's just I have that kind of brain that's always searching for for depth and meaning in the art that I'm consuming. And as a result, I, I was like kind of going cross-eyed at times taking it all in (laughs) well because we're like right now as far as like watching movies we're either watching the first installment of like five fucking movies to happen so there's really like dune great movie but not much happens in it we have to wait for the next five fucking movies to come out before something interesting happens so yeah (laughs) i think we're just like when we get like these just it's just one we're just gonna have this one little movie and it's just gonna be a little story and it's kind of hard to like for for you and I at least it's hard for us because we're so busy to find just these little we're just have one little story and we're just gonna just enjoy this ninety to a hundred minute movie um, so I can see how you would just kind of have your analytical mind on like what's going on in this and it's like just, just stop that just just let the movie happen at you it's get, a lot of the stuff is just gonna be obvious right on a sleeve and just enjoy it. Um, and I feel like I told Steph, I'm like, we got finished with that. And I'm like, you know, the older I get, the more and more I love Ray Fiennes. Uh, and this movie is one of my one of my new favorite roles for him because he he's fantastic in this movie. Actually, yeah, um, I I've always really really liked him, and he was kind of tailor made for this role for sure. Um, I've noticed a pattern with his filmography that's actually really fascinating to me because i think it tells you a little something about the man but also tells you a lot about his skill set and that's that he plays he portrays monsters very frequently mm-hmm. um who are intimidating and powerful on the exterior and intensely vulnerable and, and weak on the mm-hmm. interior very much and it's a recurring pattern in his filmography that it never gets tiresome like i, I always love seeing that those twitches of those twinges of humanity that creep through in just like a select few shots in his performances where it's like you have to earn that you know Mm. like you have to put on that bold performance for two hours and then there's just a couple of shots in there that if you're looking close you you see that's like ah that's that's actually who he is and i think it says a lot that like i think maybe the only movie he's directed is that uh, a 
and for that character is 100% everything I just said. Like that that character demands exactly that type of nuance in his performance where he's this like powerful, loud, commanding presence but then he's also very very weak inside. You want to know something that I noticed? I I, I watched this and uh Top Gun Maverick almost back to back and for the first time I saw Tom Cruise's height compared to somebody. It's the first time I've ever seen it, but Miles Teller is standing just like arching over him. And I'm like, wow, I've never really seen it. You actually see his size, like how tall he is in the in that movie. So pay attention to that. Oh, you want to pay attention. You'll see it. It's pretty glaring. <laughs> but you mentioned like he plays like this very, like very powerful character in this movie. Nicholas Holt tower towers over him. He's a good five or six inches taller than him. But he's an absolute, like, as the character, like, he's an absolute control of him as you see him walk with him, even though he's so much shorter. And again, I like, I've never really noticed Ray Fiennes' height compared to other actors. I'm like, wow, he's actually shorter than I would have expected. Um, just, just, just thinking that because you just mentioned how he plays that kind of character. Well, with that voice and that body language, I mean, he he's the dragon. He, mm-hmm. he can become the dragon if he chooses to. And do you see? But yeah, I, I have one question for you before we get to the movie proper, because mm-hmm. we're talking around it. But um, what was the first thing that you ate and or cooked after you watched it? Mm. We haven't, we haven't cooked. Uh, we made um, eggnog pancakes. We have some leftover eggnog. Uh, and I didn't cook them. I actually cooked the the former batch of eggnog pancakes, but Steph cooked them today. And then we had hot wings for lunch, and then we're having leftover Thai food for dinner. So I will be making a cheeseburger tomorrow, though. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, no, I had the same kind of feeling, honestly. Dude, we just finished eating. I wasn't even hungry. But that shot of her taking a bite of the burger, I'm like, I want a cheeseburger now. Like, we should get a cheeseburger right this second. That looks so good. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had watched this with the girlfriend, because she is the foodie between the two of us. But uh, just for the record, uh, I made I made us breakfast, because I watched this only a few hours ago. Um, ah. Like, in the wee hours of the morning. I, uh, I made... Uh, runny eggs on top of a bed of uh, five guy le- leftover five guys fries oh, uh, wow. as a, like c- Cajun fries as like du- like doubling as hash browns essentially. Did you um, with with a wedge of toast? <laughs> did you uh, broil the fries to get them back to a little bit of crispiness? I did. Man, that is dude. <laughs> did you guys get blackout drunk last night? Because that's a, that's. A, that's, a, that's that's a drunk breakfast. Any drunk listeners out there will know that that's... If anybody's hungover today listening to that, they're like, oh, this sounds so good. This is yeah. like the best. Menudo or something greasy. Uh, either way, you're, you're in good company. <laughs> but no, no no drank in the night before. Just I cooked what we had. But anyway, uh, let's get to the movie proper. So this is, of course, The Menu. And it's directed by Mike... Mark, excuse me, Mark Mylod. Uh, who is not known to me, but he is British. Uh, he has worked on the Succession show, and uh, speaking of that that uh, show uh, featuring a chef, the Bear, uh, he worked on Shameless, oh. uh, which, as Kyle said, shares a star with that show. Yeah. Um, and as far as his filmography is concerned, uh, he's done quite a lot of television, including some Game of Thrones. Uh, in addition to what I mentioned. Uh, Entourage as well, um, and oh, then he uh, he directed an Ali G film in the early two thousands, 
uh, a black comedy called The Big White, which stars Robin Williams, uh, but it's not a film that I'm aware of, but that's from 2005, so that's late era Robin Williams, uh, RIP. What's Your Number from 2011, which is a rom-com that I'm sure the girlfriend has seen, uh, which brings us to the menu. So as a filmmaker... Uh, I'm really not familiar with this guy, but I will say uh, he did a bang-up job with this one. Um, So, Kyle, would you care to give us a plot rundown of this film, The Menu? Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to pull it from the IMDb. uh, Cool. That's been pretty good, so let me get it right here. A young couple couple travels to a remote island to to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. If we were not going to do any spoilers, I'd say that's a perfect plot summary. Um, but <laughs> make sure make sure that you put spoilers in the description of this podcast because, uh, yeah, big time spoilers for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will have to do that at the, the heading of the mm-hmm. episode for sure. Uh, because this, this movie is very much um, an unraveling mystery of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, what, what Kyle and I had mentioned um, earlier in this discussion... Um, a lot of it feels feels self-reflective like like the the structure of the film feels very similar to like the unfolding of a tasting menu um and i feel like as a as a consumer of the film that's probably the best way to take it in uh, not the way i did with a you know my fucking phone open and taking notes the whole time kyle probably went about this the more appropriate way just taking it in just letting it wash over you and you know get whatever joy and experience that you can from it um but how would you like to like approach this one Kyle? do it in the butt sorry i did not mean to do that Uh, (laughs) that that's staying in that was an accident um yeah um do you want to just talk uh i guess we can just dive into it we can talk about the characters as they come up and their performances i suppose Uh, um you'll have to start me off because uh, i don't remember exactly how this opens uh, okay, so we begin on a black screen, and we get uh, the sound of an orchestra like tuning up or warming up. Um, it's a very familiar sound if you've ever heard it. Um, and we get on-screen text uh, saying, uh, invites you to experience the menu. Uh, so it's it's very much putting you in that like high society vibe. Okay, I'm going to um, stop yeah. you real quick, Trevor. I wanted to ask you something at the top, and one of the things I really did like about this movie... Um, have you ever watched Chef's Table? I have not, but it is name-dropped in this film, as far as I remember. It is. It's a good show. It's kind of what put, uh, at least as far as like mainstream America, uh, it's what kind of put people onto avant-garde uh, Michelin-star restaurants, basically. like It was kind of what... I had never seen anything like that, until I, like this kind of stuff, until I saw Chef's Table. Um, but you notice the little little things where they say what the what the dish is basically. You'd see it in the screen. That's Chef's Table. They do the exact same thing when they like show the dishes of what it is, um, which I thought was a really funny touch to this movie. But um, the opening kind of lends itself to that. I just wanted to point that out. Sorry. No, very much worth pointing out. And these are trends that I'm so far removed from that I don't have the ability to track. Um, however, I do have a theory about this foodie culture. Um, like one uh, proliferation of social media probably gave rise to a lot of it. The the ability to post food porn images um, to gain social media clout uh, very much probably influenced the the growth of that as, you know, a a consumer market. Uh, But then two, 
uh, kind of like an equally dark spin on it. Like part of me wants to say that socioeconomics have a lot to do with it as well in that purchasing property and houses is something that's kind of fallen out of fashion. And as a result, um, if, I mean, even cars are something that not a lot of people, especially in urban areas, bother with or can afford. So more disposable experiences are kind of what people go to for their, their pleasure or their status symbols and whatnot. But anyway, Kyle has had his hand up for a solid minute. Now I'll let you speak. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. Um, sorry, I had I wanted to tell you this before I forgot. So I, my wife and my sister-in-law, we went to Oregon for their cousin's wedding. And we the day after, we're like, hey, let's go into Portland. Uh, let's go check out. There's a food truck over here that we had saw that Steph had seen on uh, Chef's Table, and they're supposed to have really good barbecue. They had pretty good barbecue, still the best barbecue I've had is in Kansas City. Um, but we went over there, and it was, I mean, it's one of those food truck locations in Portland. You know them. Um, and it's just, you know, full of people. And it was a good 20 to 30 minutes while we're waiting for the food. And I'm standing there, and this lady comes up, and she goes, Hey, is John here? To the person in the in the food truck. And he's like, what? She's like, is John here? He's like, no. She's like, oh, I saw him on chef's table. I wanted to come in and say hi and said that I really loved his, his food. And he's like, yeah, no, he's he's not here. She's like, oh, okay. Well, tell him I tell him Nancy from Cincinnati said hi. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I will. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, lady, come on. And I'm just like, oh, man. I kind of feel bad for those chef's table people or those people that do these shows that obviously it brings in a lot of business because it puts them on the map. But at the same time, you get people like that. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime something reaches a certain level of popularity, you'll just get you'll just get those people who show up just just because the prestige that comes like with associating with that brand or with that name um, it has nothing to do with like their actual taste or preference. It's just this is a known thing, therefore I will be there. Uh, folks, if you haven't been to Portland and you haven't been to Voodoo Donuts, go anywhere else. Don't stand in line for that. Yeah, I, I can't recall where uh, the girlfriend and I went uh, when we were in Portland most recently. Not too long ago, in fact. But uh, neither of us have really bothered to brave the lines at that place because we found a perfectly awesome donut place just yeah. l- like nearby to the hotel, and it was it was terrific. Yeah, <laughs> you can. It, you can find way better. Like, Portland has a lot of good food. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Me. Don't go for voodoo. <laughs> uh, but anyway, our movie goes from that title to uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is introduced to us. And she's introduced to us smoking on a pier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's at the pier, uh, and immediately she's chastised by Nicholas Holt. Uh, so our two, carler, our, our two characters are Margot and Tyler. Um, and it's Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt, and he is chastising her because he tells her that it, doing so will kill her palate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, He's right. And, and he makes reference to flavor profiles, mouthfeel, <laughs> and uh, she eventually acquiesces. But uh, this is like a within two sentences, basically. We, yeah. we get a solid introduction to the nature of these two characters. We have him, who is your stereotypical over, overly enthusiastic foodie type, and then you have her, who could not give two shits. Yeah, um, clearly, <laughs> or and is also ignorant uh, to to this type of culture as well. Um, I.e., I guess in my case, she's the audience proxy because yeah. I've had maybe maybe one fine dining experience in my entire life, and I was terrified the entire time. I didn't <laughs> want to touch anything. <laughs> nice. 
Um, uh, so, so we also learned here that uh, as we're heading to the restaurant, um, there are only going to be 12 customers, and I think it's 12.5K ahead is what is said. It, I think it's probably pretty expensive. I don't know how expensive these Michelin star restaurants are. I think they kind of fluctuate and vary, but I feel like that's pretty expensive for this experience. I mean, my rent is not even a tenth of that, so yeah, I'd say that's quite a lot. That's prohibitively expensive, which is, of course, the point point, when it comes to exclusive restaurants like this. And by the way, the restaurant is called uh, Hawthorne, or The Hawthorne. Uh, It also happens to be located on an island of the same name. Island, very important. Keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Um, and I, I love seeing, I love seeing uh, cinematic progressions like this, where we get to see really efficient filmmaking. Because as I said, we had our two character introductions within two sentences, like two shots. We already have a decent idea of of who they are and what they're yeah. about. And then we start to get this procession of all the other people who are going to the restaurant with them. And again, within a couple of shots or a couple of offhand comments, you have a decent idea of what to expect from those people going forward. So first people are the tech bros, as yeah. I was calling them. Yeah. Uh, it's a trio of very bro-y types who also happen to work in tech. Go figure. Um, yeah. But like one of the big ones that registered with me immediately, because I'm watching this thing with a fucking magnifying glass like that that's how i approach this and again in retrospect i think that was the wrong way to approach this film i think kyle did it right and we both enjoyed it but um something that registered with me immediately was uh anya taylor joy like tries to hide her face and says like oh shit she mutters like under her breath oh shit when she sees an elderly couple mm-hmm. like an old man and an old woman and as soon as she sees the guy specifically she's oh shit and she looks away and says, ah, connections, revolutions. Like, there's something going on. There's a past between those two characters. It was so subtle that Steph didn't even notice it. And I thought that I made it up. When I was just like, I feel like she, she's like, she knows him. She's like, no, she didn't. I'm like, did you not see that? She's like, no. I'm like, yeah, she, she noticed who he was. Like, she knows at least who one of those people are. And I think he saw hers. So I'm like, I think there's something there. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. I, I appreciate the subtlety of that because the film rewards you for that later on, mm-hmm. um, and it it's a nice little payoff. But uh, we also have a, a pair of food critics, one of whom I guess is the editor, and the other person's the actual yeah. writer. Yeah, uh, and they're dressed like assholes. Um, <laughs> then we have John Leguizamo mm-hmm. uh, playing himself, I guess, more or less. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, not all of these characters are named. Uh, he's a case of one of those, but I think the idea is he's basically John Leguizamo here because mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a, a celebrity type. Um, and I think uh, they get on the they get on the ship, and again, it's twelve customers total, and we are served uh, a little dish um, as we're waiting to arrive at the island. And did you did you catch what goes into this guy here? Uh, I didn't write it down, but. There's probably cream friche or something. Steph, Steph, <laughs> Steph knew what it was. I mean, I as a person who's totally inexperienced with this sort of thing, that that would just be like one of those combination of words that I'd just toss out there in the hopes that I'm half right or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a uh, lemon pearl caviar and with an oyster leaf. Uh, it's it, it's served in like an oyster shell, so it's kind of like an appetizer of sorts, I guess. But um, I did like that Anya Taylor-Joy points out that she prefers just the oyster 
Mm-hmm. And Nicholas Holt, uh, Tyler, is immediately dismissive of this. He's like, well, what do you know? That's, that's some bullshit. And, but I feel like that's probably a really common criticism among people who don't play into the, the ritual of going to the fine dining experience. Because I, I find myself doing that stuff all the time where it's like, you can't. It, it's not a matter of nitpicking. It's just personal preference. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I like that. I didn't like that so much. Yeah. It's it's not like you're tearing down the person who served it to. It's just you internalize that, and that's your truth. Yeah, you can have a Michelin star restaurant that has fucking filling portion proportions. That that is a thing. It's, it's some of these. Yeah, like the way she like what the complaint that she has later. She's like, I want some food. Like this is horse shit. Like this is nothing. Uh, that would be that's kind of my take on it. it's just like I don't know if I really want to spend a lot of money to go do this it's like I'd kind of just rather try like some there's a there's a lady that lives in like I think maybe San Diego who doesn't live here legally they covered her on or maybe it's Texas but she does barbacoa where it's like a, a cooked pig underground basically and that's the only that's the one thing the main thing that she does and it's like mind-blowing but she's not even a legal citizen and i think it's almost being made out of a house like i'd much rather go try that than go sit at like something like this yeah personally i i the my pathway to joy in this life is not through my stomach Mm. Um, it's just how i am i'm I'm, i do enjoy (laughs) yeah no i i do enjoy like good food for sure I, i have a girlfriend who makes it all the time and I do enjoy it quite a lot, but the level of appreciation that she and I have for this sort of thing is very, very different. Um, I don't appreciate it on as many levels as she does. I'll just put it that way. But um, So anyway, the, the score for this movie, by the way, is done by Colin Stetson, who is not a name that's known to me, but uh, they wisely implement the music when it's appropriate. Um, it's mostly scaled back. There's a lot of silence in this film that actually aids it quite a lot in terms of its impact but also like it knows when to throw the strings in there to build tension and give payoff and whatnot but the score is very whimsical very similar to like a jurassic park or something where they're they're departing on the ship to go to the island um and we got a bit of character development here where um our our couple our, our main characters here um they're walking together on the beach and uh she makes mention of this being like prom and then he he throws out there that he never he never went and repeatedly throughout the film he refers to her as like one of the cool kids or one of the cool people you're the coolest girl here um i think that tells you a lot about his lot in life like the the path that's led him to this day is that he's a bit of a loser (laughs) or at least he thinks of himself as such well he is uh sure (laughs) he totally is (laughs) Uh, but yeah, then they, they start checking in, and uh, did you ch- catch this? When they first get off the boat, it's very subtle, but the guys that are standing like just outside the boat, they kind of do, all three of them do like a side eye to them, like there's something off. It's very, very subtle, um, but I, I picked up on it. Uh, and then they go to like cross their names off the list. Here's the list of people that are coming in, and uh, her... She was apparently not supposed to be there. Like somebody else was supposed to be there, and the host, uh, the host who I wanted to point her out because you may know her as Cook Poo from uh, How I Met Your Mother, but she is <laughs> also from uh, Watchmen, which you haven't watched yet. No. Oh, yeah, I know you haven't. Uh, and, <laughs> and she's also going to be in the Whale, 
which I haven't yes. seen yet, but I'm looking forward to. But yes, uh, I wanted to, to commend her because she's fantastic in this movie. There's just there's just no life behind these eyes. Uh, but yeah, she just kind of lets it pass. She's just like, huh, okay, that's fine. Just come on in. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, that she's not supposed she, to be here. Yeah, she's playing at being okay with this. Mm-hmm. She is very not okay with this. But no. she's doing her best to pretend it's okay. But, it well, is not. But, <laughs> so what? So there's something clearly off. Like, I, I picked up on the guys watching her and this interaction with the host. I'm like, something's going on. There's a plan of some kind. I don't know what the plan is, but clearly something's off. So what, what was going on in your mind when this happened? Uh, I mean, I... I didn't really know i i i knew i noticed all the things that you did but i wasn't theorizing just yet what the plan was other than the fact that she's not supposed to be here uh they're up what i got from that was that they were upset because clearly everything's been planned to a t up to this point Mm -hmm. and we have an interloper like something is amiss and these people seem like the the type that would you know dot the i's and cross the t's and Mm -hmm. and what are you doing here um, by the way, the actress's name is Hong Chao, mm-hmm. and everything that Kyle just said about her is apparently very, very <laughs> accurate. Um, I don't know her very well. This was, I guess, kind of my introduction to her, um, but as far as I understand it, she uh, some people are actually pointing to her as potentially the standout in The Whale and in this. Um, so quite a big year for her um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, she's excellent in this, and yes, I've heard she's very, very good in The Whale as well. Um been hearing some divisive things about that movie kyle uh performance it's it's unfortunately one of those typical academy uh, performance films where it's just like these two people or this one person is phenomenal the movie's okay uh, <laughs> like <laughs> he's gonna get the oscar for it so it, i think it'll be okay i i don't know who else would take it but anyway that that's just what i've been hearing i haven't watched it myself but um yes hong chow uh plays elsa she's the hostess essentially she's kind of the number two uh to our chef our cycloptic Um, friend yes (laughs) that would be great actually (laughs) just like she just wants you an ipad just to make her even more intimidating that hairdo and that line delivery terrifying absolutely terrifying she's probably five foot two but terrifying absolutely yes. terrifying um but yeah they arrive at the island they tour the grounds and it's beautiful um the whole idea is that everything is locally sourced that's a very important word uh, a string of words for any foodies out there everything is locally sourced from the island grounds itself um i uh, one thing that i feel like this movie really needs to be complimented on is sound mm-hmm. we'll get in we'll get into that more late, later uh, because it becomes much more apparent later on in the film, but I just like to drop that here. But uh, terms like Epicurean Solange and biome are mentioned because the the critics, the food critics, are bouncing ideas. They're like drafting a a review in their head before they've even sat down to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of doing it on the fly. And uh, we go to the smokehouse, and they age their beef for 152 days, and then we go to the barracks. Okay. Have a barracks. <laughs> Big old red flag if you're doing this. Yeah, I guess because yeah. the, because they work eight hours a day doing prep, and then dinner is like four and a half hours. It's like there's no reason to leave. Like, yeah, they're they're like I've worked at a restaurant for a long time. They're just chefs that come in, and that's just their job is like just doing prep work. And they might work the first three hours of a shift, and then that's it. And then somebody else is coming in for the rest of the day. So. Prep work would be a fucking nightmare for this place, I'm sure. 
Yeah, no TV and no beer make Homer go something something. Yeah. I, I eat crazy. Oh, if I'm like, putting like, together, the, like the restaurant staff of this movie. I say, when I'm putting together a nice dinner, I usually cook on Friday nights. I have a couple of beers and I watch Archer while I'm doing the work. So it takes a good two to three hours to get everything done. Yeah. Uh, no, these people live, sleep, sweat, yeah. poop, food. They probably eat their own shit. Um, but yeah, they, they live to work. And uh, uh, the, the phrase used by Hong Chao here is, we gel. And she drops it again with feeling for emphasis. We gel. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, there's definite cultish vibes uh, that mm-hmm. you get from the, the restaurant staff in this film, and it's very much introduced around here. Uh, we also see that the chef has a cottage on the island, which nobody, even Elsa, is not allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the restaurant pro- proper, which is like the entryway is built like a fallout shelter or something yeah. like it it's almost like a brutalist like minimalist concrete structure of sorts uh the interior is quite lovely and by the way uh, i will point out that uh this movie did have a uh advisor um dominique Kren, uh who i don't i'm not part of the food culture but as far as i know she is highly respected uh in in the world of fine dining uh she was the like food designer slash advisor for a lot of the presentation in this film and i will say as a layman uh to all this sort of stuff did a bang up job uh the food porn in this film is is quite nice uh even to someone like me who uh whose dick does not move for those sorts of things (laughs) (laughs) anyway they get into the restaurant and uh our old couple our old wealthy couple uh two two very very white people like absolute white bread people um the old man switches seats with his wife and you can hear this clearly on the soundtrack and this is where i started to notice uh, the sound mix in the film is really delightful because the the floor plan of the restaurant is like open kitchen open floor plan for all the the, the tables um and as a result the sound mix reflects that and the whole experience of watching the movie has a lot of crosstalk going on that feels natural to being in an actual active restaurant. Uh, there's a lot of instances of offhand comments being uttered by parties who are not visible on the screen, um, being apparent in either the left or right channel of your audio mix. So this is a very good headphones film is what I'm getting at, uh, because you can hear chatter. You can hear like speculation and, and like just tiny conversations going on just outside the frame uh, and it feels very, very lively and very natural. Um, and also, like, the way it's written. Um, nothing is wasted for the most part. Like, a lot of these comments that you either hear it or you don't, if you hear it, it actually contributes something. Like, it's not just noise, uh, which is really kind of cool. Uh, it's very seldom that I notice something like that, but I feel like it aided, it like contributed quite a lot to the film. Uh, did you pick up on that at all, Kyle? No, I didn't really. I didn't really pick up on that. I was too busy trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice any music. Yeah, I did. I mean, I guess I. I did notice that it sounded like an actual restaurant inside. Um, I didn't have any hangups, or I didn't. Really, it didn't really. Like, I was just trying to pick up on what people were saying. I think I was more interested in the dialogue and what the actual like what was happening in the story. Like, I'm trying to figure out this mystery because I'm like I'm, I've got that. I've I've had that like mystery i'm like what's going on i need to pick up on details little things so the ambiance was wasn't something that i necessarily picked up on 
Ah, so you were you were hunting for reveals, mm-hmm. uh, early reveals and whatnot. Uh, yeah. This movie does a good job of holding back for quite a while. Yeah, uh, it it maintains a sense of tension for sure, uh, but it takes its sweet time uh, getting to like when it actually starts to pull back the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like with this. Uh, so they get in there, and Nicholas Holt. They're like, hey, they come in. There's like, please take a seat. Be more. You're more than welcome to come up and look at what the uh, look at what the chefs are doing. Um, and I think maybe Nicholas Holt took a picture of something. He took a picture of his food on the uh, little boat. Uh, but he gets up there and he's like asking the one chef, the one of the uh, little chefs in there, what he's doing. And the guy's cordial at first, but then he tries to ask a follow up question. And he's just like, take your seat. Like, kind of snaps at him. But he follows it up with, we're gonna serve food here in a minute. He's like, okay, I guess so. Um, but spoiler alert: Nicholas Holt keeps taking pictures of his food, uh, even though he's now been explicitly told not to take any photos. Yes, he was. He was told directly, "Do mm-hmm. not do that." Um, but he insists on doing it. Pretty much every dish that's served to him, um, and also Margot uh, Anya Taylor Joy, she points out like, um, well, they're they're talking about the experience he just had speaking with that sous chef, and he's like, I the guy knew my name like mm-hmm. he, he knew about me and she's like yeah i mean a, a fancy place like this you'd kind of expect that if they're giving you twelve thousand dollars just yeah. to show up for one night um but she notes that you didn't ask his name and it's mm-hmm. like that's a demonstration of character that's like yeah you know it, sh- it should be a two-way street you know the courtesy should go both ways but mm. um the interaction didn't call for it because it was very off-putting to have someone kind of snap at you and say your name. It's just like, I'm not going to ask them what their name is at that point. I'm more like puzzled. Yeah, I guess if you're Kurt, like like if if it, if your name, like the the reveal of him knowing your name comes with like a little bit of a, not a threat, but just like a, hey, get out, get out of my fucking face, <laughs> go sit down. Then yeah, maybe there, a, a follow-up wouldn't be warranted. But um, we, uh, the chef finally arrives and he's still in the kitchen at this point but Ray Fiennes arrives in the kitchen and everybody's uh, a hush wash washes over the clientele uh, especially Nicholas Holt who basically creams his pants here uh, he is his biggest fan uh, for sure and uh, we get our first uh, dish we get our first dish served to us and it's a, a mousse bouche uh, and this begins the pattern of title cards uh, for every course um, that's served to our guests here uh, and it consists of cucumber melon milk snow and charred lace looks lovely don't know what the fuck any of those words mean. <laughs> uh, another reason why this kind of dining experience doesn't really appeal to me uh, i lost a, a kind of a sense of smell about 10 years ago and i've just never had a strong sense of smell so like having a strong palate like having a refined palate is not really an option for me so it's like i'm not gonna catch the little all the little details in, in food like this <laughs> uh, which is very important apparently <laughs> uh so the critics are not amused by the snow theme and this begins a yeah. pattern that no, you see with them that i found very fascinating because i'm guilty of this as well um but i don't get paid uh, to be a critic so I feel exonerated of any guilt here. Like these people get paid to be this way, but that's big of you. Um, <laughs> but what I'm what I'm getting at here is that every compliment comes with a dig. Mm-hmm. There is no there is no flat just fantastic or flat flat just I appreciate that everything comes with you know two steps forward one step back, mm-hmm. um, and literally every dish that's served to them there's something wrong with it, and I feel like 
that's a very common thing in the world of of critique yeah. is is just it feels like almost an obligation of sorts where it's like nothing can be nothing can be that good like everything has to everything has flaws and it's our job as critics to point it out to the to the masses to the walmart people motherfucker someone a critic could break down no country no country for old men and talk shit about it and say it was shit like it could be done to just by the then he just like he like flips a coin and says call it like that's so fucking stupid like why, why would you do that like, yeah it, it's easy dude <laughs> it's really easy to be critical yeah it's very easy to tear things apart it's very difficult to build things which is a very big theme in this movie is the relationship between the the giver and the taker as a uh, ray fines refers to it later i uh, put a pin in that um and yeah we see nicholas holt continue to take photos of his food um, and this is where the the sound mix really became apparent to me because I noticed all the eaves the eavesdropping that you as a viewer could do was really fun for me. It's like a playful exercise of taking in all the sounds and the side conversations and stuff. Um, oh. And a very interesting thing. Oh, go ahead. Go. I, while you're on the topic of eavesdropping, I want to get you in on a little inside scoop. Um, we as servers, uh, we're listening to you guys talk. We listen to your conversations all the time. I've heard some crazy, stupid shit. But just be mindful if you're out there dining. <laughs> we are listening to everything you guys are saying. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's where 90% of your entertainment value for the evening comes from. Oh, it's up. It's a good 30% for sure. There's more. There's more to it. Don't worry. There's more to it. We're judging you also. And <laughs> no, you're, you're busy uh, trying to flash each other your ball sacks in Dude, the back. <laughs> we are either... We are either powering through a hangover while trying to work a double in the summertime or we're trying to figure out like oh are they on a date together is this his daughter uh how many dates is this gonna be oh man she looked yeah, that dude looks really fucking stupid uh, yeah it's yeah there's a lot of that wonderful people watching yeah <laughs> um so at this point uh margot uh she questions uh tyler uh nicholas holt about the foodie thing and I thought this was a really appropriate question to ask. And uh, he goes on this long, flowery diatribe about chefs play with the raw materials of life and death. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he prattles on and on about all the experience that he has in the world of food and how much appreciation he has that other people don't have and what makes him special as a, as a person who appreciates fine dining and whatnot. It's like, wow, you're so full of shit like get a hobby sir play some video games <laughs> yeah oh he's just like you know people are interested in like actors and movies and sports those people are fucking stupid <laughs> i'm like I, I i get where you're coming from I, it is it is not necessarily the best waste of time to be a delusional nerd into something but i i i understand where he's coming from i'm like but you're also that just with something different so what, yeah, what's the difference, really? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And also, it's it should stand out to you, the viewer, at this point, that the types of questions that these two are asking each other indicate they don't know each other. Yes, thank you for bringing that up, yes. It's very much first date or even yeah. first encounter kind of questions. That, that's what I was wondering, is this, like, they're going, like, I, one, I, I told Steph, I'm like, I'm never going to go to a fucking island to like just where the island is just the restaurant i'm like no i don't want to do that that sounds terrible i don't want to be stuck there but i'm like 
how long have they been dating that she trusts him enough? Like, there, there's enough trust that he's paying for the dinner, one. That's definitely been pointed out. I'm like, how long have they been together that this base, like, there's just basic knowledge about one another and this a very expensive date that they're going on. I'm like, how long have they known each other? Come to find out, well, spoiler, they have not known each other hardly at all. So that's... Yeah, yeah. they probably just met today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely not. No islands. No, no island first dates. You need a you need an escape route. Um, yeah, you need an escape route. <laughs> both really, both people like, need an escape route because who, who knows? I mean, where? How are you going to return your videotapes if you have to take a boat to do so? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I got yeah. to I got to return something to Blockbuster. Oh, okay. Wait, what? <laughs> It's the best excuse ever penned. Yeah. <laughs> I have to return some video. Tapes. I'm going to have a $3 late fee if I don't get it back by 8 p.m. You don't understand. <laughs> They'll revoke my membership card. <laughs> They're good people. Uh, <laughs> uh, she asks about the foodie thing, and then, of course, uh, immediately after his bullshit rant, uh, we get our first course, which I actually missed what it consists of um it is actually written on screen uh whenever we we get a cutaway where it's it's just food porn uh we just get like a a dish laid on like a a rotating table beautifully lit beautifully shot it looks straight out of a, a food network program or something um and it's called the island and it consists largely of scallops but there's also a lot of uh like sea vegetation uh, garnish on a bed of rocks so it's meant to reflect i guess the construction of the island that they're currently on uh but i think this is uh, when we get introduced to rafe rafe comes in and gives us his his whole spiel about it uh, yes his first word on screen is a simple okay i kind of love that because okay. we we get this close-up and it's and like there's a stillness in the air that like there's a tension like there's electricity in the air it's just like tasting some some sauce of some sort and without even looking at the person who clearly put it together, he just puts the spoon down. He says, well, one of the, "Okay." <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, about like chefs like this that they do on um, they do on chefs' table is you kind of see with a few of them how do they interact with their staff because you've seen chefs. I mean, I'm sure you've seen Hell's Kitchen. You've seen Gordon Ramsay interact with his. Uh, yes, I have. That's one uh, of the few uh, restaurant shows I've watched. <laughs> Uh, there's a fascinating clip of when uh, I don't know if he was his I think he was his sous chef at the time but uh, Gordon Ramsay is the sous chef of Marco Pierre White who was like the first like celebrity chef like he was a big deal um, and it's just interesting to see uh, the way like uh, Gordon Ramsay's body language with him it, it's a fascinating clip I'll find it for you but one of the things that they show is like some of these chefs are like they're buddy buddy like they they love innovation they love talking with their with their other chefs because i mean they've been to culinary school they've got their own ideas they try to bounce ideas off but there's a fucking there's this one german chef who pardon my french is a fucking nazi <laughs> like he is just a girl <laughs> absolute asshole like that's just, he's just like that's just my teaching style and i only surround myself with people that can handle that like just act like harsh criticism and uh, yelling basically he's like i just need people that can handle that kind of criticism and i surround myself with that and i'm just like ugh. so you don't you don't really this is an interesting take on this kind of a chef where every time he claps that all of his um like he'll clap to make his presence known that he's going to talk 
and his entire staff will stop what they're doing. If he says something, they're like, yes, chef. And it's like a, almost like the military. Like he's got them trained. And I've never – I, it's pretty extreme. I don't think this is something – I mean, there probably are a couple of chefs that are like this. But it is something that they kind of touch on the chef's table is like the interaction with the chef and his, uh, his subordinates. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's very fitting that the the quarters of the restaurant staff are reflective of like a barracks, like a military barracks, because yeah. um, they are intensely regimented. And as Kyle had said, uh, and it happens right here, uh, every time he claps, uh, they snap to attention and typically give a yes chef um, to virtually everything, very much the way you would do in a military scenario. A yes, sir, if you will. Um but yes, uh, Ray Fines arrives. Uh, Chef uh, Slovak or Slovak. I'm not uh, sure. He, uh, yeah, I'm not sure on the pronunciation. Uh, however, he does name drop B- Bratislava at one point. Um, he's somewhere that he was. I don't know if he, his family was stationed there or if he grew up there, but he refers to it as a place he was at in his youth, which is uh, part of Slovakia, I believe. I, I had to look it up. But anyway, he gives a clap, and it shocks the entire room because it's a very loud noise in a very quiet setting. Uh, and he gives a speech, his opening speech here. And he tells th- he tells the clientele, do not eat, uh, taste, savor, relish, accept, and forgive is how he ends the speech. I do like, I didn't really appreciate, like, because of what the movie's gearing up to, he's just like, it's almost like this is your last meal. It's like, and savor this enjoy this and i'm like it's kind of chilling now thinking back to what he's saying you think he's just being like just enjoy the flavors take it in like try to take in the experience but it's kind of it's kind of dark has a darker meaning once we get to the end yeah i actually kind of hope i rewatch this one might do too um, because um like i said the girlfriend didn't watch this one with me um but i as the foodie between the two of us i think she would appreciate it mm-hmm. um and I would like to rewatch it because I feel like some of this kind of stuff would register as having a lot more meaning in retrospect. Um, but yeah, uh, he gives a speech and, uh, <laughs> I think at this point, Tyler gets shut the fuck down cause he, he tries to interject or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also takes some more photos while he's at it. Um, and Anya Taylor joy dresses him down, uh, because he's upset over the fact that he uh, he interjected and he was told oh, to shut the fuck up, essentially, yeah. by the chef. Yeah. Who, of course, he idolizes. And it mean, his opinion, the chef's opinion of him, the customer, means a lot. And she's like, you're the customer. It doesn't yeah. really matter what he, the chef, thinks of you. Like, yeah. you're paying him quite a lot of money just to be here. Like, it's interesting that she, she zeroes in on the relationship between the, you know, the client and the and the you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the the critics enjoy this first dish. Uh, they're eating the ocean is what they they settle on as I guess part of the text of the review. And uh, I did love uh, John Leguizamo has a couple of moments in here that are actually pretty funny, um, where he's uh, t- apparently trying to pitch a, a like a a food oriented show for any number of streaming services, but he has no pitch. Yeah. And when he's questioned on what the nature of the show is going to be, like, he's like, yeah, I'll go to South Africa, I'll put some stuff in my mouth and talk about how racism is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that is a that is an episode of television. Yeah, it totally could make an episode of exactly that. Yeah, unfortunately, it's Zac Efron doing this shit, not him. 
so yeah 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 unfortunately i like john Leguizamo quite a lot and oh, yeah. uh the the gal that he's with is like someone he's in a relationship with but also like his assistant or something I, and she's apparently trying to break away from him i think it's just his assistant i'm not sure if they're in a relationship together i didn't i didn't get that vibe but you could be right i, I just didn't catch that yeah hard to tell but point is she is kind of on the outs like yeah. she doesn't want to work for him anymore um so this is, might be their last gig together um uh, the tech bros are unimpressed they're kind of shitting all over the dish like quite loudly by the way um and <laughs> i love the the old couple the old white couple they're barely talking to each other they, mm-hmm. they do the thing where he's like she mentions like oh i saw our, one of her friends the other day and he's like yeah that's great how are they and she's like good same old same old yeah <laughs> They just have nothing to say to each yeah, other. Yeah, no, just it's just a, it's a loveless marriage that has gone on for years, and they uh, reminded me of uh, the the old white couple from uh, my big fat Greek wedding, uh, the recipients of the bunt cake. Oh, uh, boom. just bunt. Yeah, bunt. Bu- bu- <laughs> uh, yeah, we did, we forgot to mention that when the guests arrive, there is one woman. Uh, sitting off by her by herself at a little table so there is a guest that wasn't on the boat that's already there yes yes Uh, but yeah there is an older woman that's just throwing back the wine that has no time for anybody in that restaurant so (laughs) this movie does make a bit of a pivot into i think a dark comedy and i think it's kind of sprinkled throughout though I, i think that's kind of what i would like if i was to summarize this movie into something i'm like it's like a mystery mystery dark dark comedy like that's kind of what it is um but i think that the moment we're introduced to that character is when it it takes its shape as a dark comedy because it really starts to get funny moving forward yeah no i i do think of this movie as a comedy like it has tension it has violence it has thrills but on the whole like it it's it's entertainment you know like it, it is pitch black but it's still entertainment but uh, we head into our second course, and uh, this is where things start to get a little more tense uh, in the restaurant because we're starting to noodle on some themes here that people, all the people in this room, minus Anya Taylor Joy, uh, should probably be wary of, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in terms of like their their particular socioeconomic placements yeah. um, and the themes that we have going on with the dishes being served. So yes. um, we have a speech about bread. The, the bread speech, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I go ahead. Okay, so basically Rafe Fiennes has a little speech uh, preceded by a clap, I have to assume. Um, <laughs> That's the same about, <laughs> um, about how bread is the food of the commoners. It's the it's the it's something that we've had for thousands of years. It's it's flour and water. It's the simplest thing to put together. It's it's the food of the masses. Yeah. The clientele present in this building at the moment are not that. Yeah, exactly. Therefore, you will not have bread. Mm-hmm. Um, so he serves them the breadless bread plate, which consists of like a essentially like a pa- a plate that doubles as like a palate, like yeah. think like a paint palette. Um, of, quote, savory accompaniments with a little wooden spoon. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, if you get the opportunity, uh, go to Capitol Hill on Broadway. Go to Annapurna. Uh, it is, I think it's a Tibetan slash Indian restaurant. There are these um, these little vegetable dumplings. They are fan-fucking-tastic, but they come with three different little sauces. 
I strongly recommend if you have a date night. It's not. It's it's moderately priced. It's not even expensive. Just head up there, date night, go up there, and get those dumplings with them sauces. They're fucking fantastic. But this scene, I thought, was a little bit out of character for something like this, like this kind of experience where when you go to something like this, you kind of just trust the chef. Like, you just, it's an experience. You just sit down, and whatever happens, you just let it happen. Um, but this table of bros, they're, like, put off by this. So it's literally just a tray. It looks like a like an acrylics tray with just, like, five different little sauces that are, like... I don't even think they'd fill a teaspoon. I think it would be maybe like just a half a teaspoon of the different flavors, which I could see absolutely happening. It's just like, we're, it's little testers, little tastes. Like just, there's so much power in each one of these little sauces. And these guys at the table are just like, this is kind of horse shit. And apparently this restaurant was known for its bread. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't get that vibe, but I think one of the guys says, you guys are known for bread. Why don't you hook, a, hook us up with a little bit of bread? I don't think people in this position would be like, hey, this is bullshit. Like, they would just let it happen. Well, that's the thing about that group in particular, is that they're here for the prestige. Yeah, like, they're here because sure. they can afford... They're here because they can afford to be here. Just Same get, goes for the old couple as well. They're there it, to get drunk. It has nothing to do... It has nothing to do with their personal appreciation for it, mm-hmm. or, even, like, their palate or anything like that. It's just because it's expensive. Yeah. And it looks good on your Instagram or something. And same same goes for the old people. Like we we do get a last minute reveal, kind of like how like how badly they suck, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, their their objection, like it made sense to me that they're they're there's a reason I refer to them as the tech bros because mm-hmm. they're 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 very rude and they very much don't have any respect for the environment that they're in. So. A little bit of a tangent, but uh, I'll just throw it out there just because, you know, it's a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Um, so <laughs> so um, the girlfriend and I have an expression that I coined. Um, it's called... Taking care uh, of business? Would... No, someone else took that a long oh, time okay, ago. Okay, <laughs> sure. Just make sure. Go ahead. Hump day? No, you got it. Keep going. Sorry. Is that like a Bachman-Turner Overdrive song or whatever? I forget who did that one. <laughs> Taking care of business. Something like that. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah. Working overtime. Uh, you have to enunciate that part, though, uh, very clearly. Something I'm not good at. Um, so the expression uh, is, and again, I coined this, is I would eat the pie. Um, and what that refers to is, say you're in a scenario where uh, someone's serving dessert. And it's like a pie or, or something that you you really don't like, mm-hmm. but they they handmade it like they're proud of it. They they put a lot of time, sweat, and tears into making it. I but you know you you yeah I would eat the pie. I would eat the pie. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So my myself and my brother Matt were the type of people who would eat the pie. And in in this scenario, if I was served a bunch of savory accompaniments and they all tasted like garbage, I would eat them. I, uh, these tech bros, they would not eat the pie. <laughs> I had a I had an incident uh, fairly recently where I complimented our host on something that they made, and come to find out, it's something that my wife has made that I don't particularly care for. And they're like, "Oh, so when she makes it, it's fine, but when your wife makes it, it's not good." And we, they kind of tease me about it. And I got home, I'm like, I was being polite. I didn't actually like it, so I will eat the pie. Like, I will eat what you give me, but I don't necessarily care for it, and I will at least compliment the effort put on, put into it, basically. 
See, I, I, I wanted to publish th- that expression somewhere because I, I feel like that's actually a decent gauge of character. Yeah. Like people, people that wouldn't eat the pie are generally not my people. Yeah. Right? Like I, I just find that that's usually the case. Nick doesn't eat the pie. You have to. <laughs> you have to force it. Like you should try it. He's like, I don't. He's like, I don't like that. He's like, just try it. He's like, but I don't like it. I'm like, just fucking try it. Just, just put it in your mouth. He, He's the old lady from Seinfeld that mm. shakes her head. Mm. No, <laughs> mm. I will. I will. I will use. Your, I, I will try to use that term. I'll see if we can get it spread over here on the East Coast. I will eat the pie. No, it, it's a. It's. I've found it's a very nice shorthand. It's yeah. like you. You would eat well, the pie. The problem. The only. The only issue I will take with the phrase Trevor is that <laughs> most people like pie, <laughs> so I will eat the beets. Is <laughs> more like. It <laughs> I will. I will eat the liver and onions. I will eat the liver and onions, but I like. The, I will eat the pie. It does. It just. It does have a nice ring to it. So I. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well. Anyway, back to the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, um. Yeah, uh, everything Kyle said about the the bros happens around here as well. But um, uh, the restaurant being noted for its bread or known for its bread is mentioned by the critics, um, and they they can't make heads or tails of this gesture where they're like they're they're known for their bread. Why would they do this? But then they're amused by it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. initially they're confused, but then they're amused by it because it's oh it's so outrageous. This is some outsider underground art bullshit well or like, of course it's novel or therefore it's good or that they're wanting you to anticipate a, a better dish it's like you're coming here yes. for the bread so it's it's oh that's good that's a really interesting move for them it makes sense in this yes yeah. yeah and in this in this scenario uh these people are i guess a stand-in for me the viewer where mm-hmm. i'm taking in the what the film is offering me and trying to spin it in whatever direction it, it makes the most sense to me or provides the most satisfaction to me uh, there's a lot of self-reflection that goes on in this movie like i said it is just boiling over with meta and subtext it's 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 gross almost <laughs> but um nicholas holt here has a line that um he's talking to anya taylor joy about the game is to guess the overarching theme of the evening mm-hmm. you won't know it until the end and put a pin in that uh because that is essentially a, a, a statement that references the construction of the entire film correct um and indeed the structure uh, the chapter structure in the form of the courses the movie unfolds very much like a tasting menu and mm-hmm. that statement that he just gave is very much the way the movie progresses it's, it's very it's very well considered i really appreciate that um and also one of the food critics mentions that uh the emulsion is broken um, one of the little savory condiments or what have you, uh, the emulsion was broken. And uh, Hong Chow, uh, Elsa the hostess, mm-hmm. as Kyle had said, we are listening. Yeah. Ears are everywhere. everywhere. They're wide open. Yes. <laughs> so she heard that. And what does she do about it, Kyle? <laughs> she brings her a whole, almost like a dog bowl of this sauce <laughs> that she's talking about, which is pretty great. Um, I do want to highlight uh, somebody that Steph pointed out, who was obviously somebody I noticed because he is one of my favorite characters from the show Veep. That is the sommelier, the house sommelier. Uh, you may know him from the Sonic commercials where it's him and the other dude sitting in the front seat. Uh, but he's oh a, that guy yeah he's a very he's a very funny uh, character actor but he's playing the sommelier and I wanted to uh, mention something um, he talks about he goes to the table it it's kind of funny the way this movie progresses um, 
it gets more and more tense, more and more. Um, it, it just gets more and more tense as it goes along, and everybody keeps their composure. And the sommelier is one of those people, so it's just like things are kind of ramping up, but he's still like, "This is a 2014," <laughs> just like he's still doing his job. But he says that uh, this is a an old wine that we did um, an emulsion blender basically to super aerate it. Basically, you're supposed to let wines breathe. I actually have been doing this for years, and because the point of uh, a decanter or letting the wine breathe is to let oxygen get in. Well, it's like, well, I want to drink this wine now. I don't want to sit here for 30 minutes and I don't have a decanter. So I'm like, I'll pour it out, whisk it a little bit, and then pour it back in the bottle. And I think that it works really well. And then he pointed out that they do, an, uh, they basically do the same kind of technique. I'm like, fuck, I was right. Like, <laughs> they're actually doing this. I was onto it. But I wanted to pat myself on the back there for figuring that out. So that's my pie phrase for this episode. Get in my belly. All right. <laughs> No, that's a astute observation on your part. Because if you know the concept of it, and you and you do something like that to like aerate it with with a whisk or something, then it should achieve. In theory, that should achieve the same goal. So one of the things that I do when I'm cooking is I have Gordon Ramsay. The thought, like when I'm doing things wrong, I can just like, oh, I'm doing something that he would just be fucking calling you donkey, (laughs) calling me a fucking idiot. Um, no, he's calling you a fucking donkey. I'm, I'm never <laughs> trying to impress him. I'm just always thinking about, oh, he'd be so pissed if he saw this. But that's one of those things where I do the uh, the whisking, basically, of the wine. I'm like, oh, I bet he would fucking lose his shit if he saw that. But It's raw! It's raw! <laughs> Fuck that dude. Um, oh, I love Hell's Kitchen, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, he, he, he is entertaining, to say the least. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, we get a a, uh, a butt-clenching moment here of tension where uh, the tech bros, they, as Kyle had said, they're upset that they didn't get no bread. Yeah. And they, they flag down Elsa as if she's your standard basic. As if she's going to fucking do something about it. Yeah, as if she's here to serve you in that manner. Bitch, have you um, not seen they- her body language? She is in control. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen that aggressive haircut? She has no time for your horseshit. Um, <laughs> but they they drop some lines here mm-hmm. that are exactly the kind of things you do not want to hear. Um, yeah. You know who we are. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oof. And they they name drop who they work for. Yeah. Or they work with is how they phrase it. And then she tosses it back at them. You work for them. And uh, we don't know it at this point, but we do learn that the person that they work for is the angel investor slash owner of this restaurant. Uh, so they feel that n- entitles them uh, to some special privilege. And then the the icing on the cake, uh, this conversation ends with a that'll be all. Thanks. Yeah. That, that'll that be all. I, I, not in my vocabulary, but um, Hong Chao uh, whispers in the one fella's ear j- just before parting, You'll eat less than you desire and more than you deserve. Mm-hmm. Yikes! That yeah. it, that that is not even a veiled threat. That is a straight up threat. Um, and uh, at this point, uh, Nicholas Holt is he's scrambling to get some some more of them savory condiments because anything that's served to him, he would he would absolutely love to lap up. It doesn't matter what it it, it could be a lump of shit, and yeah. he would think it's God's gift to man. Um, so Margot hasn't touched anything at this point like Mm -hmm. she's totally unimpressed she doesn't like anything on the menu and so he's trying to take hers 
Uh, and in the process, he breaks a glass, yeah. uh, which draws attention to their table. And the chef confronts Margot and asks, like, why are you not eating? I, I would say, I, I don't remember which stand-up comedian it was, but they were talking about, like, don't... If you really want to fuck up a comedian and you're sitting close to the front where they can see you, don't heckle. Don't laugh is the thing to do. Don't laugh. That will completely distract them, apparently. Like, that's something that really messes with them. At least with this one comedian who said that. So I'm like, yeah, the best way to get under somebody like this, get under their skin, is to not even give it a chance. It's not say that it's bad or good. Just don't even try it. And... That's kind of what happens here, where he's pretty, pretty upset that she hasn't tried anything. This interaction is pretty great. Yeah, no, it, it's very tense, and it's they have a lot of confrontations through the film. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps a few too many, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if, yeah. if I'm if I'm being honest, I didn't need them to have this many skirmishes throughout the film. Like I got the I got the message after two or three, but um, he insists that she eat. And she completely refuses. And I did notice a couple of shots sprinkled throughout the early portions, like when he first arrives on the scene, that he's noticed her. Mm-hmm. Like, he he knows who's supposed to be here, and he zeroes in on the fact that it, she's not supposed to be here. Um, which was kind of neat, because it, it builds to this moment where it's now they're face-to-face, and now he's a- addressing her directly. Um, aside from the tacos and his overall just speechifying... That's the only that's the only real issue that she poses. So I guess that just that little bit of going wrong is enough to mess with him. But yeah, it's it's kind of I, I guess like the reveal is kind of underwhelming with why with how she fucks it all up for me. I don't know how you felt. I I didn't find it to be underwhelming or anything. It's just this movie is a hundred and six minutes. It's not over long, and yet I feel like. It could have been a short film and still been very effective. Um, I, I just, I just felt like there was maybe just a, a little bit more material. And this is me parroting the food critics in this film. You know, this is me nitpicking a film that I quite enjoyed. So I'll, I'll just cut it off there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, we also see that the chef has a moment with the old lady that's been guzzling wine. He just kind of like puts his forehead against the top of her head no words um, but clearly he has an attachment to them of some sort third course uh is memory uh and i forget what goes into it um but this is where the sommelier steals the show for one brief moment where he's serving the wine and he's listing off all of its attributes all of its traits Mm -hmm. and he he uses the phrase longing and regret notes of longing and regret (laughs) what the fuck does that mean that's one of those things where they don't it's like it's almost like he threw it in there just like to see if they'd even catch it but nicholas holt is so or uh, tyler he's just so not even paying attention Oh, yeah, it, it was great. I love that. Uh, especially because, as Kyle said, the guy's delivery is ever so perky. And he's just on all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's longing and regret. Um, Margo, at this point, she looks over at the old couple. And then we actually cut over to the old couple and see their reaction to her repeated like glances over in their direction. And they get kind of fussy. Like, yeah. like the woman is like, do you know her? And he's like, I don't know. I maybe. Know. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I think he knows her. I think you'd look, remember her. Look yeah, at her. For, yeah. I mean, look at her eyes. They're the size of your chest. <laughs> she has a very memorable face. Very memorable face. <laughs> um, 
So Taco Tuesday is introduced. Oh yeah, and uh, we get a nice little story about Taco Tuesday. This is fantastic. And what it means to our chef. And Kyle, you, oh. you you go ahead and talk this, us through this. This is where the movie just pivots into something spectacular. Um, I do want to highlight Nicholas Holt's performance throughout this entire film and how much more sense it makes when you find out why he's there or how he got there. But he is completely unaffected moving forward by everything that's happening. Um, but we, uh, uh, our chef, uh, Rafe, comes over to a woman sitting at a table, and he says that this is his mother. And she has just been drinking. She's not eating anything. She is sitting alone at a table. She's just drinking. She looks tired, does not care what's happening around her. She just looks defeated. And he tells the story about when he was a child, uh, she's like, she's drunk, as makes sense because she's been a drinker her whole life. My dad came home one day drunk, which was not unusual, uh, and he tried to strangle her with a phone cord. And I'm like, I gotta look over at Steph, like, what the fuck? <laughs> that just happened? And he's like, and uh, to try to stop him, I stabbed him in the thigh with a pair of kitchen scissors, which didn't really work out so well. But uh, I think, did his father end up dying? Or I don't really know where the story goes from there, but the main thing is that there was domestic dispute. He stabbed his father, and now he is going to serve them a dish, which is a chicken thigh served with a pair of scissors sticking out of them, <laughs> which is which I really like because a lot of times with these chefs' table, like the, the stuff, it's like. There's little stories behind the dishes. It's like, oh, when I was a kid, I made this peach cobbler with my grandmother, and it was really important. So now I've got a, a deconstructive peach cobbler thing. So there's a story behind it. So this is kind of one of those, like, playing on that. It's like taking domestic violence in a very um, emotionally scarring situation and turning it into a dish. I always thought it was hilarious that this is what they come up with. No, it, it's completely twisted, but yes, very, very funny, especially the way he delivers it. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's, so, it's so flat, you know, like, it, it's just like, hang on, if you're actually listening to the words coming out of his mouth, that is alarming. <laughs> it's like your grandfather telling you he killed somebody while you're watching a football game, like, what? This isn't the time for this, sir. Like, we're doing other things here. <laughs> we're in the fourth quarter, Grandpa. <laughs> Game's on the line. This is not the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. It's a lovely little speech, and it catches you completely off guard, especially because yeah. when he says, when Rafe fucking finds, uses the phrase Taco Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> with a little impish smile on his face and a little head Taco gesture. Tuesday, yeah. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> it's like, and then he segues into the story of how he, his dad tried to kill his mom and he stabbed his dad. <laughs> like, mm. it's a, yeah, it's quite the pivot, and it's lovely. I, li- I liked it quite a lot as well, but... Uh, we are served tortillas, uh, as as Hong Chao refers to them, tortillas. <laughs> Emphasis on the ya. Yeah, because um, yeah, people keep asking, what is this? She's like, tortillas. <laughs> I, I love that so much. I'm, so I'm going to my, I'm get to my favorite part in get just to a it, second. Get to it. It happens right here. It, not my favorite part in the whole movie, but during this sequence, because there's a lot that happens here. So, uh, the tortillas are served to them with a laser engraved uh, with a laser engraver uh, that they used for apparently for the first time uh, to put to burn images onto the tortillas uh, so uh, the critics are served tortillas with images of restaurants that closed because of her reviews mm-hmm. hmm we have a theme going here and then my favorite bit that happens here is the old couple, the old oh, man. Really? Because fucking 
Yeah, in this particular scene, I think I just want to say John Leguizamo's tortillas are the best of these tortillas. <laughs> but the, uh, of the tortillas, yes, uh, yeah. yes. I I saw this coming a mile away when it came to the tortillas. I'm like, he's abs- they're absolutely going to have him hooking up with another chick on these tortillas. But please go ahead. Yeah, no. What 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 made me laugh out loud? And remember, I was watching this very early in the morning on a laptop in bed. Um, so, um, girlfriend was asleep. So I was laughing. Out loud. Yeah, pretty much. So the old woman is finagling one of the tortillas. And she said, what is this? And the old man says, it's uh, taco things for the tacos. <laughs> <laughs> he's so white, he can't say tortillas. God damn it, that's better. He's so fucking, he's so vanilla. I might use that. He that. can't say the word tortillas. I make tortillas, I make my own corn tortillas, but I might start saying the taco things for the tacos. Taco things for the tacos. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was hilarious, but... Um, yes, the old couple's tortillas are engraved with a bunch of photos of them, mostly him, uh, and then one of them happens to have an image uh, burned into it of him and a young woman who appears to be Margot. Mm. Um, looked like Margot. It easily could have been anyone, but the point is he's been he's been stepping out on his wife. For sure, yeah. That's the, the main takeaway there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nicholas Holt uh, gets Images of him from that night taking photos of his food. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, and John Leguizamo, as Kyle had said, it's, it's quite lovely. He gets images of the poster art for a film called Calling Dr. Sunshine. Yes. Which may as well be The Pest. Yeah, it's The Pest. Uh, the way I... it... <laughs> yes, it's The Pest. It's 100% The Pest. Spawn is fucking patent compared to The Pest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> uh, point is, this is a shitty movie that this character starred in but, way back when. But he kind of chuckles at it. Like, it doesn't seem to affect him as much. He's just like, huh, yeah, that's my that's my, my movie. Huh. He doesn't... Well, from his perspective, it probably made him a lot of money, because yeah. other people in the movie know him for that. Yeah. Um, but then the, uh, the bros, the bros get to see theirs, and theirs yeah. is pretty interesting. They have bank statements all three of them have bank statements, and it's showing, uh, well, one, it should be a red flag if somebody's showing you your bank statement, and it's not the bank teller. Um, but it's basically showing that they have been embezzling money from their employer, or at least have been embezzling money in general. Yeah, uh, so they're actually alarmed. Like, everybody else is disturbed or, like, slightly upset, but they're, like, actually alarmed because this yeah. they're wor- they're worried this these could be treated as legal documents yeah. of some sort um are tortillas admissible in court you better eat that shit quick <laughs> the way the way they shake this off they talk to uh our what's her name in this i want to keep calling her cook poo but that's 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 not cool uh elsa is the character's name elsa uh they kind of like call her over there like hey what the fuck is this she's like tortillas <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny uh it's it's pretty great uh but basically she just tells him like this is we've we've got this of you guys basically embezzling money and they're just kind of shocked by this but do they try to just like to brush it off and it's like God, they're not gonna like this is not gonna be admissible because 
they'd have to show how they illegally got this. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's one way to look at it. But I would be way, way, way more concerned, not about going to court. I'd be way more concerned about how they got this because I think that's the bigger issue here. Uh, the the rapid fire exchange between the three of them is very telling of their character that they are alarmed at first, but then they come to the conclusion that they're insulated and there's no possible way that any harm could come of this. Um, it just shows, it's just a demonstration of their, their privilege and their entitlement, or at least how they feel they're entitled. Um, I forget exactly what transpires here, but uh, Margot and Tyler get into a tiff here, and I think she's shit-talking the food or something, and he he blows up on her a little bit. He She uh, is telling him at one point, she's like, you know, I think it might have been after the bread thing. She's just like, you know, he's making fun of you. Like they're they're he's basically putting you guys down. This is all backhanded kind of stuff. But yeah, I think he's like getting onto her because she's not like eating basically. And yeah, she, he starts to snap at her and yeah. he tells her to he shut. He says, up. "I'm the one who's paying, so ding dong, shut up and eat." Ooh, yes, yeah. yeah. No, Steph did not take that very well <laughs> watching it. <Mm-mm. laughs> Uh, sleeping on the couch after that Uh, so Margot attempts to leave um, but she's intercepted by Elsa who uh, causes her to divert to the restroom instead because like very clearly you're you're not allowed to leave just yet Um, and she goes into the bathroom and she opens a window to start smoking because she is a smoker and it's a high tension scenario I don't blame her (laughs) and she sees someone carrying a pair of wings outside mm-hmm. like someone just like walking uh, like outside in, on the grounds in the middle of the night carrying a pair of wings hmm, put a pin in that yeah uh, and then the chef walks into the ladies room and confronts her on the turlet she's standing on the turlet she's yeah. not using the rest she's not using the facilities but uh, they have an exchange here and he continually has been insisting on finding out who she is yeah. who are you and he he's never get he never raises her voice but he keeps asking this question every time they talk which is like three times by now and he all she gives him is that she's from nebraska mm-hmm. and she refuses to give him her real name because uh it's hinted at here that she's using an alias um and she tells him to kindly get the fuck out of her way yeah um and that's the end of that exchange. Fourth course, the mess, Kyle. Yes. A hard pivot point in the film. Do you want to walk us through the mess? Yes, the mess. So what happens is, is uh, Rafe calls up his sous chef, and uh, they do notice that there is a sheet laying on the floor where he has been speaking, basically. And he brings up his sous chef, and he's like, Are, I don't know if it's the main course. Is it the main course? Uh, I don't know about main, but it's the fourth the fourth he's like this was uh, created by our sous chef and uh this this man comes up in his you know his outfit and he's just standing there and he looks he has a look about him like something bad is about to happen and you and i were probably thinking the same thing this guy's gonna die i don't know how well, he... i had hip to be square playing in the back of yeah. my mind <laughs> yeah, I, yeah as soon as that sheet was real was rolled out <laughs> uh, yeah you got a little chow um yeah so we we're watching this and something bad's gonna happen but basically he just like he's a really good chef but he's never gonna be a great chef and he wants to be me but he'll never be me kind of thing and he basically just says like he's never gonna he's never gonna amount to 
to be a great chef and uh, basically just tells him, go ahead. And this guy just shoots himself in front of everybody. But not before they close the, they put like a big, a big plastic sheet over where the kitchen is. He shoots his, shoots himself in the head, splatters all over the sheet, and they remove. Ideally, <laughs> they just kind of pull it back after that. But to the shock of the rest of the kitchen, except for uh, Nicholas Holt. <laughs> yeah, no, it it the movie deliberately cuts back to him throughout the remainder of his presence in the film and just shows that he's just like completely unaffected by anything going on in fact he's putting food in his mouth and smiling when this happens essentially um but yeah this was a stunning moment the timing of the edit's really really cool where Mm -hmm. it it just like boom it's so fast that's like you it barely registers with you just like that just happened whoa um but yeah, the the verbal dressing down that Ray Fiennes gives him before he shoots himself in the mouth was uh, akin to Nicolas Cage and Pig, um, another film centering around chefs and food. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens a couple of times in this film, where Ray Fiennes really tears people apart with his words and just his energy, his presence. Uh, he's a damn good actor. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's good at that. He's shit. good at that. Yeah, um, and. When it when it does cut to Nicholas Holt uh, when the when the gunshot happens, he actually has a line that was a shock. I didn't see that coming, yeah. and he says it with a chuckle. Yeah. Um, and I did like that the audience was divided. Yeah. As as to how to assess what just happened. Well, the because cr- uh, it was so sudden that it's like I don't entirely understand why I just witnessed. Well, the critic, it's kind of an interesting idea uh, for. I think the I think the dish is like pieces of meat. That have been it's like a it's like a rare meat basically that's been cut into pieces to where it almost looks like brain scattered. I think was kind of what they were going for. I'm like that's kind of a crazy idea for a dish. So it's it is something that you would be very shocked by, uh, but you would probably have to sign a waiver for before you go into this. But the lady who's the the critic, she's just like, no, it, it's it's fine. This is it's like a shocking experience. It's theatrical. He's a very theatrical chef, but even she's trying to convince herself that the, that this is not off. But and you as the viewer are kind of like, is this gonna be like the game where it's like the like the movie the game where it's like is this all just kind of made up and it's supposed to be a shocking experience and we get to the end of this where it's just like no it was just an immersive crazy uh dining experience but we get a shot of this dude on the floor like oh no that dude is dead <laughs> that dude is super dead oh yeah no it it's confirmed this the violence that happens in this film it is not staged in the reality of the film it is it's really happening yes um and i did i did like that it hold it straight like if this did, if this did have a last minute reveal of being like oh it was all a dinner experience like a theatrical dining experience i would have been like fuck yeah, you. yeah for <laughs> like, sure. get out of here with that but um yes it's pressure cooked vegetables roast filet potato confit beef juice and bone marrow r.i.p Jennifer, jeremy there's a lot of those subtle gags in the uh text descriptions of the dishes being served but um after this the old man uh part of the old couple he attempts to leave um and <laughs> he keeps countering like they keep telling him he can't leave and by the way the people standing at the door uh they they could physically ensure that he does not leave you're There's not getting past that. these guys yeah no they, these guys are quite wide they're as wide as they are tall yeah. um which is taller than him um 
and Elsa confronts him and she's like you can't leave there's no boat and he's like well I'll call a helicopter it's like oh shit you got a lot of money don't you and she's like well there's no cell reception so that wouldn't work either um and eventually it gets to the point that he he's inconsolable it's not going to work out so uh she arranges to have his finger cut off yes and mind you this is coming hot on the heels of a person just shooting themselves in front of everybody uh, and they cut off his ring finger uh and his wedding ring comes off and it's redistributed to his wife but nicholas holt has been eating the whole time <laughs> just like watching all this unfold and i forget the context but john leguizamo has an awesome line here where uh his assistant says why don't you go talk to the chef you uh, you said that you knew him and and he says uh, <laughs> no that was a lie and she's like why would you tell that kind of lie and he's like because i'm a name dropping whore that's pretty great yeah um but yeah the, the critics they think it's all a show um and at this point the chef he confronts Margot and invites her into the kitchen mm-hmm yeah into the kit into his onto his territory and this is where we kind of get the reveal of what's happening in the movie um basically he tells her it's like everybody is dying tonight it's going to happen and you can either die out there with them or you can die here and i think this is where he points out that she maybe not here but he did he point out that she was service industry subtly yes yeah uh, he he does say we're all gonna die tonight and do you want to die with those who give or those who take mm-hmm. which you could also think of that in terms of those who are in the service industry and those who are in the consumption industry yeah. i.e customers yeah um and i i don't know what her answer is here he says oh yeah you he's like you know what i'm gonna set a timer for 15 minutes and that'll be about the end of this next part so then y'all need your answer by then um yes um, and she returns to the table, and Tyler uh, is immediately jealous because he assumes that she was given special treatment or like got to sample something from the kitchen that he wasn't permitted to. And he's just yapping as she comes back to the table, and she slaps him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty great. He deserves it. Uh, he, um, and then we are so... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he's also like really concerned. You mentioned before he's really concerned about what the chef thinks of him. He's like, I need to get him a, I need to get, like, get him alone and just like try to explain to him or just like try to talk to him to see if he's upset. Uh, he's, really, he's really obsessed with that moving forward, but yeah. Oh, yes. No, he, he is his biggest fan, and nobody else appreciates anything that's being served tonight as much as he does, or yeah. at least that's what he believes. Um, we're served a palate cleanser, which consists of wild bergamot and red clover tea. I have no idea what red clover tea is, but bergamot you find in a lot of fucking teas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I did like that Nicholas Holt thinks he's special because he noted that bergamot's yeah. in it. I, I think he it was- does that with like every dish, or he points out one ingredient that he noticed that he thinks no one else did he's like yes it's it's like bergamot. bitch everybody did <laughs> do they serve the tea before or after the running scene i thought the, the, i thought the tea came after but i could be wrong i believe it's before okay um you know you, you want to be hydrated before you go running <laughs> um leguizamo and the tech bros they attempt to conspire mm-hmm. uh kind of like a united 93 type scenario about like how they can fight back or get out um, and there is an attempt by one of the bros to break one of the windows in the dining area with a chair. It doesn't work. And, and I did like that Elsa just like casually takes the chair and she's like, I'll, I'll take this back to your table. Uh, to, <laughs> to anybody listening out there that seen Broad City, the main bro is Jaime, uh, Lana, Lana's roommate from uh, Broad City. He's very funny. 
Um, he also <laughs> is really good at playing this dickhead, which is it's nice to see. Yeah, I, I liked pretty much everybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize a lot of the, yeah. the other guests aside from the main ones, but I I liked everybody's performances quite a bit. Um, but yeah, is this where we get the uh, where we go outside before the next course uh, to do the run? Uh, not before the old folks are dressed down because the chef. Uh, oh yeah, he 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 does a lap essentially, and just mm-hmm. uh, he confronts the critics and tells them like they they suck because they they have the power in their hands to tear down without building uh and the old folks get it bad because they are it is pointed out that they've been to this this restaurant 11 times yeah and they can't recall a single dish that was served to them cod and i did like yeah i i did like the the cod bit where he's like it, it was, was halibut <laughs> you donkey <laughs> Uh, but like I can't remember the exact words used, but the writing was delightful. Yeah. Where he, like, what does it matter? It's like, well, it it mattered to the fish because it's dead. It was it was butchered and you ate it, and it also matters to the people who served it to you. I could watch him in like an American military film, for, uh, film, like maybe Vietnam or even yeah, maybe Vietnam. Him doing like an uh, Arlie Army, just dressing down dudes down the line. I'm like, he could absolutely destroy people. It would be quite entertaining to see oh yeah no he'd be terrific at that sort of role i'm surprised he hasn't done that mm-hmm. sort of role honestly like it, it's yeah. never come up really but as far as i'm aware um uh and also doug varick is brought up again and he's a character that, he's the skunky beaumont up to this point uh, he's been re- he's <laughs> bob sacramento <laughs> he's he's been verbally referenced numerous times but never seen um so varick is the angel investor slash owner mm-hmm. of this restaurant um and he is mentioned here as ray finds is walking over to the window area um and then we see there's a spotlight on a man with a pair of angel wings angel investor and it's doug varick yeah. and he's on like a, a a wire that is being lowered into the the body of water outside uh he is to be drowned um and I don't recall exactly what was said, but no substitutions is screamed by Ray <laughs> Fiennes at this point. Um, and this is where I started to spin theories as to the subtext, the meta text in this film. Um, I think a lot of this, I, I, it's probably an incomplete metaphor, but I feel like a lot of it is referencing uh, the film industry. Not not dining specifically, but also the film industry, because there's also film fanatics like like people on Reddit, the kind of people who have a lot to say about the Last Jedi, mm. i.e. Nicholas Holt types. <laughs> um, there's there's the world of critics, criticism in the film industry, oftentimes has a lot of uh, prickly types that like to tear lovely art apart at like on a whim. Um, and then here, the angel investor slash owner may as well be producers yeah. or a production studio demanding notes or substitutions to a film in order to, in their eyes, maximize profits or get you know the best viewer experience. Um, I don't know if you if you felt that, like if you picked up on that vibe, but like as soon as this part happened, I was like, oh, is that is that kind of what we're talking about here? I mean, it's possible. I feel like the criticism of somebody like the director or even like somebody like Ray Fiennes is not so much the interference, but like 
I mean, I guess maybe the interference to just maximize the box office. And I feel like Ray Fiennes would be one of those actors is like, that's, he's not about, he's a Shakespearean trained actor for crying out loud. Like, it's very much about the art and the craft itself. So I can see that. Like, he could get behind um, some kind of message like that in a story. So, yeah, I, I definitely see the connection there. Um, but yeah, we gotta we gotta get that box office, dude. We gotta have those blue people. Uh, they love it. They love it overseas. It's got to make two billion dollars, man. Ugh. Yeah, I. Well, I, can I mean, that see movie's that. unique. That movie's slightly uh, Avatar, folks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that movie's slightly unique in that it's, I believe, largely financed by James Cameron yeah. himself. So he's he's his own producer. In a it's lot of to ways, make but... money, Trevor. That movie is to of make money. Um, of course. Yeah, there's no, there's no other. I want to advance the technology is his excuse, but yes, it's just to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll try my best to revisit that theme of of this being kind of a commentary on the film industry to some degree. Okay, I'll, keep um, that. I'll try to references, well, but but I, this this is where it, it uh, where it became apparent to me that 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 might be something I should try to focus on. Well, I think also. It, if you were to take the maybe a climate change spin on this and think about the indulgence of these people like you're you're spending so much of your money or like just maybe even capitalism if you want to throw it in there like you're spending so much of your money and your time on an experience that you don't even care about like you don't even appreciate this it's just wasteful so I kind of saw that as kind of a subtext but I think there's probably something for film industry as well no, I'm, I'm really glad you pointed that out because that was kind of lost on me but now that you mention it there is a lot of emphasis put on the nature of the dishes being served to these people that they like there is like a a cutesy like reference to to the actual text of the film like in in regards to like how the dishes are constructed or titled in reference to what's happening in the film at that moment but also all all of these items are sourced from the island and are, are meant to be reflective of the environment that, that they're harvested well, from. Well, one of the dishes even says, it's like you're eating an ecosystem here. It's like yes. this dish is you're eating the ecosystem. You're 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 an eater, yeah. not a giver. Yes, yeah. that, that that's really big, Kyle. I'm glad you pointed that out. But um, uh, Margot and the chef, uh, they after Varric is drowned, by the way, um, they have another confrontation here. And it's at this point, I believe this was in his office. I, I do um, he, I do agree. I, I do want to point out, I do agree that they do have too many of these little these little talks. But fortunately, I, I, I'm more forgiving of it because, one, it breaks the tension a little bit for a moment. And two, these are two great actors having moments together. So it I gives you some breathing room for a minute before you ramp up to the next part. But I do think they could have maybe tried to soften these little like like, these scenes like like soften the tension with something different besides them just talking privately but yeah no i i think i largely agree with that but um they have a confrontation in her in his office and he concludes that she is in the service industry and he noted that she was uh, glancing at the old man um and basically we learn here that she was she's either i believe she's supposed to be an escort yes essentially yeah um and uh she does mention that uh he louis ck'd her essentially um well, uh, he, he did well, he took it to it he took it to another <laughs> he, level i wouldn't go sure. to louis ck but yeah he definitely <laughs> did something a little well, he paid for it so i don't know if it was inappropriate but uh 
Well, she does make mention of the fact that it's like not irregular. Like she's yeah. encountered this before, but he made it weird by some of the things he was saying. Yeah. So basically, yeah. if you don't know what we're talking about, he jerked off in front of her. Yeah. Um, but he made it weird, weirder, excuse me. Tell me I'm a good dad. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, by insisting that she referred to him as a good man and also that she was his daughter, which yeah. is not okay. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, uh, he asked her, like, do you enjoy what you do or did you enjoy? And she admits that, yeah, up to a point. You know, it, it, probably it's lost its luster, you know. Um, but we head outside uh, the entire, like, everybody in the building that we all head outside and it is an island so if you wanted to take off running where are you going to go yeah. um and we're introduced to sous chef katherine keller yeah. uh, who steps to the fore uh, and she is instructed to introduce the next dish which is called man's folly um and we get a, a odd sequence here where uh she straight up says uh the chef tried to fuck her like like verbatim that's what she says fuck not not like try to sleep with her or or like fondle me or whatever like she she just says the chef tried to fuck me yeah a couple of times um but then she reels it back and she says but that's okay because he's the star he's the man and again this is this has me thinking of like me too shit well like mario <laughs> uh mario oh mario batali yeah, yeah mario batali was definitely one that got me too uh he was apparently yes. sexually harassing his uh workers but yeah definitely me too comes up here for sure yeah yeah uh, no I, I i do remember mario batali that that whole thing going down that was that was bad because he was he was big deal like, oh, yeah. he was a big star for sure um not anymore yeah. um and then she uh, stabs him in the leg, the chef that is, and then they embrace, and uh, he apologizes to her, I believe. Um, so I guess I guess that's I, you know washing away the sins to I, some degree. I don't really know if she accept the look that she gave him did not say I accept your apology. So I don't know if this was her. All... Her reaction later on when they're drinking together suggests that she's all in Dude. but yeah her face didn't exactly read that way it really the, the the dark comedy really picks up here it's it gets pretty great moving forward yeah so here at this scene uh basically i don't know why they choose it this way but this is how it is but basically the chef says okay now the men are going to gather and they are going to have the opportunity to run and get away but they're going to get a 45 second head start and if my people catch them then they don't get to leave and I forget who takes off first. Is it? It's the it's the Jaime guy. Jaime Jaime takes off running, and he just like, finds just kind of watching him go. He's like, "And your forty five seconds starts now." <laughs> it, it's it's great. It's it's such a it's such a dad line. Yeah. He's just he's like in the middle of his introduction. Yeah. And he's just like, "Okay." <laughs> All right. Like, the guy runs fast, and he's just like, "Okay." There you go. <laughs> like, you're not gonna listen, then I guess we're doing this. But, they, they take off uh, in different directions, uh, and Nicholas Holt's still standing there. Like he's he just is like not wanting to play along and he's just like everybody and he just he doesn't even take off running he just like kind of walks over to the side like just kind of walks out of frame uh but th- this is actually kind of a f- this ends funnily oh no it, it ends in a hilarious bit yeah. there's, there's a lot of good bits in this sequence For so sure. we proceed to the sixth course which is just the ladies um and they're all at one table because it's just the ladies and yeah. they're sitting with that that sous chef um, that gave the introduction to this dish. Um, and it's Man's Folly, which consists of Dungeness Crab, fermented yogurt whey, 
dried sea lettuce, umeboshi, and kelp. Sounds, sounds awful. Sounds salty. Yeah, sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, they all eat at the one table together, and they're showering the sous chef with compliments because it doesn't take a genius to guess that they're trying to bargain their way out yeah, of things. For like sure. if we if we befriend her, maybe she'll be with us or something, or maybe she'll help us out. Um, it doesn't work out. Oh, <laughs> I think that's what she mentioned. She's like, I think he's may have let them know that they're all going to die tonight. And uh, he's like, you don't have to go with this plan. And the sous chef goes, oh, it was my idea. <laughs> yeah, she's. I'm pretty proud of it, actually. Proud of it, actually. <laughs> and the critic just pulls out extra One. wine. She's she's like, like, fuck, fuck it. it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, there's no hope. That's what I would be doing this whole time is just getting smashed on wine. I'm just like, let's just get smashed. It's not going to get any better. Yeah, really. At that point, shit. Um, but we get what Nicholas Holt had mentioned kind of reiterated uh, here by the sous chef. Um, she... This is her insisting that we have to finish. Like yeah. we ha- you all gotta die, including me. Uh, it doesn't work if you live. Yeah. Uh, it needs an ending that ties everything together conceptually. Otherwise, it just tastes good. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> uh, and here we get a, a sprinkling of some really great scenes here, where uh, basically we get to see everybody, all the dudes, fail at running away yeah. on an island, mind you. Someone does find like a rowboat or something. It's like, yeah. I don't know if that's going to work out. Um, John Leguizamo, <laughs> uh, he's running I in heard, the woods, yeah. and I heard a pop. I heard a pop. <laughs> <laughs> really and then good. he gets he gets speared. Yeah, like he gets just Goldberg speared by some dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then the last critic to be found, Kyle. Do you want to tell the, the listeners what happens with him? Yes, uh, I do love the way that the the critics, uh, uh, publisher, whoever this is, yeah. he like he like kind of holds her hand. He's like, "I'll always remember you," or something like that. <laughs> I'll come back. For I'll you. come back for you, or something like that. He's like, "I've always I'll remi- bring help. I've always admired you." Um, but yeah. he goes to hide in the chicken coop, and I'm like, "That's not the worst idea." Um, no, it's not. It's not the worst idea, especially if you move they check and then move back it's like hey where is he but uh, he's sitting in the chicken coop and the little window next to him opens up and it's a little dessert thing or a little palate cleanser that he just hands him <laughs> it's just really great they don't even yeah like... this disembodied hand just presents him with a dish yeah it's pretty funny but everybody comes back into the restaurant and uh, we got to move forward with the night yeah so um by the way during uh the dining of the man's folly margo mentions that her name is actually aaron and she is from brockton massachusetts i believe uh marvin hagler was from brockton uh leguizamo and his lady uh they both give each other dual confessions here Uh, so i think the reality of their situation is kind of setting in um i forget exactly the nature of these confessions but basically uh we get a com- we get a comedic beat here where he confesses to something and she's like, "Yeah, I know you cc'd me on the email." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Whoops." He, he gave her like he like gave her a bad recommendation or something like that. She's like, "Yeah, I know I cc'd you." And she's like, "I've been embezzling money from you for years." And he's like, "Yes." And I know and I know that you know. He's like, "Yeah, well." Yeah. So they both know that they're fucking each other behind the scenes. Yeah. But um the chef, uh, this is a stunning moment of cinema. Uh this sequence was uh, I don't know if the girlfriend would be able to handle this, honestly. Like she, she might take this shit personally, because um, this this was intense to say the least. So the chef singles out Tyler Nicholas Holt. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he 
questions him repeatedly, and he's subtly trying to get a, sp- a specific truth out of him. And it takes several questions to get there, but eventually he gets Tyler to admit in front of everybody uh, that he came here knowing full well that everyone was going to die. Yeah. And not only that, he came here bringing Margot knowing full well that she was going to die. Yeah. He doesn't know Margot. He was supposed to be here with his girlfriend who broke up with him apparently beforehand, so he brought an escort because there's a like a restaurant policy that they only serve couples, mm-hmm. like not individuals. Um and here's where I learned that uh, Anya Taylor-Joy knows how to throw a fucking punch mm-hmm. uh, because she launches herself at him. And I was like, whoa, uh, she, she turned that doorknob. <laughs> like, like, I was like kind of shocked. I was like, that, that didn't look stagey. That looked like a real fucking punch. And he takes it like a champ. I'm sure he's such an asshole and loser. I'm sure he's taken a few of these before, probably from the opposite sex. But um, mm-hmm. he is invited into the kitchen. And uh, I think the old, uh, I think the chef's mom has her only line of dialogue in the whole movie here. Handsome boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the chef brings him back to the kitchen and presents him with a chef's coat, mm-hmm. with, with a, a staff uniform, and even writes in sharpie on it, Tyler. Yeah. He's, he's like building him up. Like, like yeah. this is such an honor. You're being singled out by me, the person you idolize the most. And this sequence, Kyle, was incredible. Yeah, he's like, you deserve to be back here. You know all the things that we do. He's like, why don't you cook something? And he's just like, I I don't know how to cook anything. He's like, well, you you know everything. Why don't you come back here and cook? And yeah, dude, I feel like this is something that dickhead chefs would do. It's like, oh, you have an idea, huh? Well, why don't you come back here and show us? Like, just we're going to all stand around and watch because... Even the uh, the rest of the chefs are just kind of like standing there, like they've been through this before. Like he, this is old hat; he's done this to all of us. Um, but yeah, he he basically makes him go back there and cook in front of everybody. He gets a couple of leaks. He's like, "Oh, okay," and he's criticizing him just so subtly. It's it's really nice. He's just like, "Oh." I, uh, really, really uh, innovative. Yes, two leeks, uh, a lamb chop, and some butter. He's like, you can do that much butter? Like, he's just, the whole time, it's it's pretty excellent. Him just, like, through this whole cooking part. Um, but he very much undercooks the lamb. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, it's, like, truly innovative knife work. <laughs> like, oh, been... Just, like, subtle digs all the way through. Thank, th- thank God that we're here. It was a, It's a very uncomfortable scene. Uh, it's, this, it's this is the millennial nightmare, Kyle. Yeah. Like, like, this is nightmare fuel, honestly. This is this is straight out of Whiplash, but with a with a dining room instead of a, you know, soundstage or something. Oof, I don't think you can beat Whiplash. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen somebody go through that wasn't, like... Bleed that they weren't bleeding. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, watch the whole movie. He does some bleeding eventually. <laughs> oh, quite a lot, in fact. But um, but yeah, uh, this sequence was incredible yeah. uh, because he is so nervous. And what's more, they heighten things by inviting everyone into the kitchen, mm-hmm. even the patrons. So the whole kitchen staff like have their arms folded and they're all watching him do everything, and he's getting no assistance. And he's just a stuttering, sweaty mess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he completely shits the bed. And uh, the cherry on top is Ray Fiennes trying the lamb and saying, this is quite bad. <laughs> and 
And it's like, you know, you're, it's, it's like the person that you, whose opinion of you matters the most just shat all over you. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just kind of excuses himself, I believe, and, and heads into the back of the kitchen. He whispers uh, he something takes to takes off him. his coat. Yeah, he whispers something yes. to him. We don't no idea what he says. Yeah, it's a uh, lost in translation moment where there's a, a whisper that's never, the contents of it are never revealed, but the look on Nicholas Holt's face tells you, uh, that hurt uh, yeah. a lot. Um, and we <laughs> we get a... Uh, a presentation sequence like like a, a food porn uh aside of tyler's bullshit yeah <laughs> and it's lovely because the cinematography is gorgeous but it's showing us this just hideous plate of lamb and two other ingredients it's a shallot leek butter yeah and undercooked lamb In- under lack of cohesion yeah <laughs> yeah it's delightful yeah. i liked it um and uh at this point ray finds actually uh, I think he confronts the critics, or I forget who he says this to. But this was where again I was thinking of the film industry. I think it may have been to Tyler, uh, but he says, "You are why the mystery has been drained from our art." And I can't help but think of the relationship that the internet has with the film industry these days, where it's it's like every magic trick ever in the film industry is revealed, mm-hmm. like with the exception of like Christopher Nolan films, like every aspect of special effects technology is essentially known to the general public if you just fucking google it Mm -hmm. um whereas before you know pre-internet journalism days movies were kind of like magic tricks there was there was a mystery to to how they were accomplished that we weren't especially privy to Mm -hmm. um and that that's just me projecting but that that's what i got from that little line there um it's a very powerful line um anyway uh, Margot is recruited by the chef to fetch a barrel from the smokehouse because he's asserting that she's she is a giver rather than a eater. Um, so in order to demonstrate her fealty, I guess he's insisting that she act as part of the kitchen. Uh, Elsa's not too happy with that, by the way. Yeah. Um, and we do see that uh, Nick hanged himself yeah. uh, in the back of the kitchen. Uh, we, we just see a shadow and we see some legs dangling, but it's like, yeah, that that's a dude and he is... Uh, hanging above the ground. He is dead. <laughs> and uh, we actually learn here why John Leguizamo is here, Kyle. Uh, yes. I was premature on that laugh. Uh, yeah. So, the movie uh, that he had mentioned, uh, can you repeat what that is? Do you have it? Calling Dr. Sunshine. Yeah. So, John Leguizamo has been sitting here. He's an actor and he's kind of taken in, like, why everybody's there. And he just gets up and he's just like, hey, listen, um, I'm not really sure why I'm here. What, what is the issue? What, what did I do to deserve to be here? And Ray Fiennes is just like, you were in a movie once, the movie, the doctor one. And he's like, I went to go see your movie on a Sunday. It's my only day off. And I thought, hey, this might be a fun thing to see. And he's like, it's one of the worst things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm like, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious that, that he gets to die because of that. And uh, he should die because, I'm just kidding, he shouldn't die because of the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's made up for it since then. Yeah, but I did yeah. like that he attempts to push back on that by pointing out that he didn't direct it; he merely acted in it. Yeah, which I'm, I'm sure has some additional meaning behind it. But that you know that is true when it comes to like an actor's participation in like a bad movie or something. It's like 
you know, they, they only contributed so much to the thing. They didn't yeah. edit it. They didn't direct it. Um, and then, Kyle, you wanted to talk about uh, his assistant. Uh, she is told why she's here as well. It is the best line of the whole And it's on the fly, by yeah. the way. They didn't plan for this, no. but on the fly, she buries herself. <laughs> yeah. She she asks, uh, she's like almost about to cry. She's like, well, what, what about me? And he's like, where did you go to school? She's like, Brown. And he's like, so did you use student loans? She's like, no. He's like, that's why you're going to die. <laughs> it's just so, <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to die. I'm sorry, you have to die. <laughs> Oh man, it, I'm like that is the best. That is so funny. But yeah, I think we're saying something there as well. But um, yeah, it's I mean, the, the movie does have some pretty explicit "eat the rich" kind of vibes. Yeah, to it, for which, sure. You know, is. Yeah. Um, but uh, Margot goes to the chef's cottage, which again, that's a privilege unto itself, just to set foot in there. Yeah. Um, and she discovers that the interior is a duplicate. Yeah. Of the restaurant. Yeah. He's a madman. Um, yes. And Elsa followed her. And by the way, Margot had brought a boning knife um, that she left on, dumb move, but she left it on a table and Elsa retrieved it. And the two of them have an f- unexpected little scrap here. Well, she left the goddamn knife on the table. What were you thinking? That was... Well, I, I, I didn't expect a fucking throwdown in this movie, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, they get into it and it's very sloppy, but basically she gets a hop'em on her and uh, just gets her right in the... Oh, he gets her right, she gets her right in the neck, right in the throat. Um, it's it's pretty nice. Decapitate Cute bit of comedy here. Um, when they're tussling with each other in the kitchen area, um, Nicholas Holt had made mention of a kitchen implement, uh, the Paco Jet. Yeah. Um, which is one of the many things that he is so proud of having pointed out that he noticed was, was used in the construction of the dishes being served. Um, Margot actually bops Elsa in the face with the Paco jet, mm-hmm. and it falls down in front of the camera with the text clearly legible. It's cute. It's yeah. like it came back um, and, you know, served as the doom for a character. <laughs> but yeah, um, Elsa is uh, stabbed in the throat with the boning knife, and uh, her last words are, he didn't tell me about the barrel. I didn't forget. <laughs> so she is, at, like, it ha- again, has a very cultish vibe. She was yeah. all in. Like she was, it was more upsetting to her that that the chef like bypassed her than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, and anyway, uh, Margot goes to the chef's quarters, and uh, she takes a look at all of his personal belongings, most of which consist of photos. Um, and it's very telling here that uh, we see an, an article that was written by the food critic who's currently at the restaurant. It's a positive write up of his uh, previous restaurant called Tantalus, which is, of course, part of Greek mythology. Um, Tantalus, if memory serves, was the fellow who uh, he stands in a pool of water and he's, like, reaching for a fig or something. And his whole punishment is that he can never get either one. Like, the the water lowers if he tries to sip it, and the fig, like, the fig is always out of reach. Do you say and gr- I think that's... Greek mythology? Correct. Yeah, no, I... I... I can't even handle Yorgos Lanthimos because I don't understand <laughs> Greek mythology. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you're well the, the wrong point, guy. like the the two the two ones that I I remember the the basic gist of. I don't know any of this stuff in detail, but there's Sisyphus, who was the guy that pushed the rock. Cookie push. And every time you yeah. get to the top, the rock would topple down the other side, and he'd have to perpetually go back and forth. Tantalus, if memory serves, like I said, it was continually reaching for a a, a fruit essentially. 
and was never able to grasp it, mm. which I think is very reflective of Ray Fiennes' character. He's an obsessive person striving for you know perfection or achievement in his chosen art form. Never, never will he reach that. Um, and we do see that he had a wife and a kid, um, none of whom are ever mentioned uh, aside from in this photo. Uh, but the big one is a photo of him from 1987, uh, at Hamburger Howie's, mm-hmm. and it's an Employee of the Month placard, and he has a big shit-eating grin on his face. Yeah. He looks happy to be flipping burgers. Um, and she also finds a radio, by the way. Uh, and then one of the tech bros has a happy birthday celebration. Yeah. <laughs> they serve him a cake. He's like, you told him it was my birthday? And he's like, I thought it was funny three hours ago. <laughs> that was cute. Was I did like that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, ATJ comes back. ATJ comes back in. Uh, just blood on her. And it's never like she makes no fuss about it. Nobody even notices it. But there's there's clearly blood on her. And I think Ray Fiennes has put two and two together. He doesn't even care. I just thought it was kind of funny that nobody even mentions it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that in this movie where people are disheveled and beaten the fuck up, but nobody seems to want to rock the boat. And actually, um, there's a apparently an MLK quote here. Oh God, uh, yeah. The basic gist of it. I did like that. They're like, did he just? He just Martin Luther King. We were watching it. Like, did he just quote Martin Luther King? And then they say it in the movie. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it comes out of left field, but I do think that there's probably a lot of meaning behind it because the basic gist of it is that freedom will never be granted; it must be demanded. Mm-hmm. Um, and always love hearing I, white people uh, quote Martin Luther King. It's it's always it, good. <laughs> it's always comfortable, yeah, it's always <laughs> comfortable. and it's yeah, always it's like, warranted. It's, like... it's always warranted. That's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I do think that that's worth keeping in the back of your mind, though, as we reach the conclusion of the film, because, as you said, everybody's disheveled, everybody's beaten down, but nobody's really that outraged. Yeah. Like, 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 nobody's really, like, if my dad was here, oh, yeah. oh diff- very different evening. Yeah. <laughs> Is this where we get the Coast Guard coming up? Yeah, so a boat arrives. And uh, they, the kitchen staff hastily clean up all the guests. They do a shit job of it, by the way, mm-hmm. because like the old man's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> after his finger- <laughs> Him, yeah, that's just- <laughs> he got his finger clipped. The noises that he is making are pretty funny uh, on the ground. They are in pain. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that says about me and you, but yeah, We're jaded. they're fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're jaded as far as a movie consumer goes, but I think we are both jaded as far as movie yeah. violence goes. <laughs> oh, very much so. But uh, not, nothing, nothing rattles me anymore. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, they do a shit job of cleaning everybody up because, like, especially the dudes, everybody's beat to shit. Yeah, uh, and, like they're covered in, in cuts and bruises. And Anya Taylor Joy is she just had a life or death struggle? Her hair is a mess. She's covered in someone else's blood. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the Coast Guard uh, fella comes in. And he sizes up the crowd, and the chef like addresses him directly, and he insists, like, "Oh, it's we're just having a nice evening. Nobody had a shortwave radio here." And uh, the Coast Guard fellow walks up to John Leguizamo and uh, is authorized by Ray Fiennes to ask for an autograph. Um, and Leguizamo passes him a piece of paper that says "Help us" on it instead of an actual autograph. And the guy whips around, and he whips out a pistol, and he demands that Ray Fiennes go onto his hands. And his, his knees and put his hands up and all that business but then he reveals uh the pistol is in fact a lighter yeah 
which he uses to light a candle in front of everybody, and then Margot is dressed down by the chef saying, you stupid bitch. <laughs> like, did you think I would let, I would allow you to do that? I got you. Hang on. You stupid bitch. Uh, <laughs> hey, you can't go in there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, where do we go from here? What's next? Uh, so, we kind of head towards the grand finale. Um, and this is where Anya oh, Taylor-Joy yes. gets to do her her ATJ business. Yeah. Uh, she gets to be scary and, and hyperverbal. Yeah. Uh, so she, we get to see through some nice filmmaking shit where she comes to an epiphany of sorts. Like, we can just see it written on her face, nonverbal acting. Mm-hmm. And then she stands up from her chair and she addresses the chef directly. And I have a sprinkling of lines written down here because they're all really good. Uh, delivered with a plum uh i don't like your food and i would like to send it back which is actually something that she was kind of like advocating yeah. for at the beginning of the evening and um i think that's where nicholas holt gets upset that's where he ends yes. up yeah, eat it yeah yeah i had forgotten but yes you're correct um you've taken the joy out of eating every dish you've served tonight has been some sort of intellectual exercise rather than something you want to sit and enjoy again I can't help but think of the film industry when I hear stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I eat your food, it tastes like it was made with no love. Yeah. You cook with obsession, not love. You have failed and you've bored me mm-hmm. and I'm still hungry. And mm-hmm. Ray Fiennes is engaged in the conversation at this point. You can tell that like it's been an obsession of his to, to figure out who she is. And he's he is a giver mm-hmm. by nature. Like it's it's boil it's like boiled into his character that he he has an unsatisfied customer. Something must be done here, yeah. and she he asks what what can we do for you? Like what can my kitchen provide for you that would make, satisfy you? And she says, "I would like a cheeseburger." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is one of the there are certain scenes in movies where you watch somebody make food and you're like, "I'm going to eat that very soon." Uh, yep. One of them for me, there's a, a, a moment in Phantom Thread where somebody's making scrambled eggs, and I've I love scrambled. I'd eat I'd eat fucking twelve eggs a day if they would if it wouldn't kill me in a month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it wouldn't harden your arteries. <laughs> yeah, but if I see somebody making scrambled eggs, I'm like, God damn it, I'm having scrambled eggs in the next twelve hours. Like that's gonna happen. But uh, the making of the cheeseburger here, Steph and I were watching this, and him putting the the American cheese on there. Oh, we're just watching, like, we're eating a cheeseburger in the next 12 hours. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, I've, I've seen on Twitter countless accounts posting exactly those same sentiments. And yes, it's it's inescapable. You you just see it, and it's shot so well, and, mm. and it, it makes you want exactly that. By the way, I had never heard this expressed anywhere before. Um, actually, uh, listening to the, the Movies for Life podcast, uh, Brian and Michelle, they both, I think, agreed with this sentiment. Um is that American cheese is the best for cheeseburgers because it quote doesn't split. It's the and, it is the best cheese for cheeseburgers. It it actually is. Like people try to go, I'm gonna go with a really spice I'm gonna go with like a red pepper flake, like what Gordon Ramsay does, a red pepper flake with garlic, salt and pepper, and then they could do like a really nice cheese on it or something like that. I'm like, guys, you are overthinking this. It is fucking meat, cheese, ketchup, and then maybe a pickle and onion. Like it it's real simple, guys. Like don't overthink it. And American cheese yeah. is the best. 
See, the girlfriend pushed back on that when I mentioned it, but I think if she saw this, she might reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 give me, don't get me wrong. I love those other burgers with other cheeses. I'll try any cheeseburger. You can put any kind of cheese on there. I'm going to try it, and I'm probably going to like it. But don't overthink it. Like, don't try to go above and beyond. It's really simple. Just, just those ingredients. Yeah, I mean, this is intended to be a ratatouille moment. Yeah, where it's it's a it's a highbrow person brought back to their foundations. Yeah, and what's more, the way it's shot, we get to see him subtly smiling to himself as he himself, the chef, is actually handcrafting this cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. And it is simple. There's no frills. It's just a straight cheeseburger. Um, but you see that there's actual joy being put into the the act of making it, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite lovely. Um, and that's served to her, and she takes exactly one bite, and she says, oh, you know, uh, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. No fucking shit, lady. <laughs> um, and she uh, she says, can I have a to-go box? And it's like, I'm shocked this place even has boxes. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and they do give her a box, and she pays for the burger, which was told she was told was nine ninety five. Yeah. And she leaves a tenner yeah. right on the table, and she takes it, and she's like, can I go? And Ray Fiennes just has this moment where he pauses and he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, here's your, here's your goodie bag because every customer gets a goodie bag. It includes like a, a copy of the menu and like whatever goodie is in there as well. And uh, by the way, one of Doug Varick's fingers, <laughs> I did like that. <laughs> uh, we're understating how great this scene was between the two of them yeah like you you did yeah. atj you did point out like she gets to have her atj moment where she gets to be oh she's intimidating uh she's she hasn't been that the rest of the time but mm-hmm. his at like him taking this all in and all the, it is an exchange yeah it, all the emotions that he goes through like you can see him kind of be elated for a moment and just like it all but it's all internal it, it's really masterfully done between the two of them yeah, no, you're absolutely right, because at the end of her proposition to make the cheeseburger, it becomes it starts out as a confrontation, it becomes a confr- uh, conversation. Yeah. Where at the end of it, I think he asks her, like, like, what do you want on it? And then she's like, I just want a basic, well-made cheeseburger. And he's like, American cheese. She He agrees with her that American cheese is the best cheese to use on a cheeseburger because it doesn't split. Yeah. It's very, it's very neat. Like, there's a lot going on. It's executed brilliantly. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, she is allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. Like they actually open the door for her, and there's a moment where she looks back. And I did like that the old woman, mm-hmm. a part of the old couple, she actually like gestures for her, just like just go. You, you, you have an out. Just go. Yeah. Like she actually just she doesn't try to fight it. She's like, you earned it. Get mm-hmm. out. Uh, so she leaves, and then uh, chef, his energy takes a d- nosedive. Like he's he, for once, he's not posturing or being theatrical he's he feels he seems kind of dejected deflated and he's just he just hastily rattles off all the things that they're going to get in their goodie bags and he insists that they all pay (laughs) which is hilarious because they all do i think it's because it's like i'm already i've already jumped off the cliff even though now i'm realizing i didn't have to like he he had that moment where it's like oh i could have done something else but it's like this is it though like not only can I not get out of this, but I have to see it to completion. And I really like that. I, I'm glad you met, mentioned that his demeanor changes a little bit. It's like, now it's kind of like with sorrow, I have to I have to continue this. Yeah, in, in the act of making that cheeseburger, he probably reclaimed just a small part of himself. Mm-hmm. And that actually makes it hurt now. Instead yeah. of like feeling like a mission accomplished, it's like a, 
I just fucked myself great. Um, but he's in too deep. But I, again, I did like that he mentions one of Doug Varick's fingers is in the goodie bag <laughs> <laughs> for everybody. Um, and he has a, a one last speech here where uh, the kitchen staff starts heading out into the dining area and sprinkling all sorts of accoutrements all over the place. And uh, he tells all the guests, as they're paying, by the way, as they're like giving their credit cards away and stuff, uh, you represent the ruin of my life and my art. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is converting the dining area into a gigantic s'more, um, complete with a marshmallow smocks mm-hmm. for all the customers and chocolate hats. It was reminding me of chocolate mi- like Usher's cap. It was reminding me of Midsommar a little bit. <laughs> the ending of this. Yes, very, very much so. Very much so. Um, and he refers to a s'more as the most offensive assault on the palate ever. Oh, so Steph and I were like, whoa, hey, whoa, we were on the cheeseburger level there with you, bro, but don't be knocking the he, s'more. He, 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 he sticks the landing, though, because yeah. he refers to it as fire is what makes it good fire good well he does make a good point about how uh the chocolate is made with child labor uh which i'm like yeah that's actually right Uh, i forgot about that actually it's a hershey's chocolate are they owned by nestle no it's two different companies i believe they're different companies uh maybe i'm not positive on there's kyle there are exactly five companies on this planet i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if all if there was a big chocolate out there they're all owned by halliburton (laughs) yeah it's missiles of chocolate (laughs) but um anyway uh he refers to this more as it's everything that's wrong with us but we uh, kind of naively think of it as something for children Mm -hmm. um which which is you know true (laughs) like it is made of things that are not good for you um and he has said this before exclusively to the kitchen staff but his last words to everybody before he uh self ignites um, before he immolates himself um, by dropping a, a hot coal onto flammable powders on the ground and setting the place on fire. Um, I love you all. Um, and that's his last words to everybody there. And uh, he also mentioned, and this this is where um, I felt it necessary to key in on this. Um, I forget exactly when it's mentioned, but it's around the time the Coast Guard guy is revealed to be one of the kitchen staff, which actually, in retrospect, next time I watch this, and I probably am going to rewatch this, I'm going to keep my eyes out for him to see if he's actually part of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Because that, that in and of itself is a little bit of the commentary of the relationship between the customer mm-hmm. and the kitchen staff, where it's like he probably was there the whole time. It's like, how did you not recognize that he's part of the kitchen staff? He's just wearing a Coast Guard uniform. Um, but there's a there's a line thrown out there by Ray Fiennes about like, and look like look at all of you. You didn't even try to fight back. Yeah, and it's true. They never did actually get unruly and actually attempt to do anything. Like the old man tried to leave, and yes, he did lose a finger, but he was the only one that actually made a legit attempt to like force his way out of there mm-hmm. um it actually calls into question like had had they fought back maybe maybe that would have gotten them up a, a ticket out of there like anya taylor joy yeah who knows um but yeah everybody gets set on fire um we get our last title card uh referencing uh a dish here and it's simply s'more marshmallow chocolate graham cracker customers staff restaurant yes. <laughs> Um, and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy at this point has uh, hopped on a, a boat 
and she's out at sea, but it like the it engine floods. craps yeah. out. Yeah, the engine floods, and uh, she just hops out onto the deck to watch the place burn while she eats her burger and wipes her mouth with the menu from her goodie bag. Nice touch. Clap credits. Clap credits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, um, if we could just, for the next, until he, actually just until he dies, just make Ray Fiennes do a dark comedy every year, I would be very happy about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can send him an email. Like, hey, just just take all the dark comedy scripts that you can get your hands on. Also, if you could try to work with Ari Aster, I feel like that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally, I'd be on board for that. Shit. <laughs> Whatever that is, I just want to see what it is. Doesn't he have a new movie coming out? He uh, does, with, with Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know what day That's exactly, right. but yes, he does have a new movie coming out. Yeah, it's Joaquin Phoenix and nothing but Joaquin Phoenix, as far as I can tell. It's it's like him playing various iterations of himself or different ages or something. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think that's the movie. It's uh, Bo is Afraid is the name of it. A decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Well, it's quite the collision of talent, so very much worth keeping your eye on. But yeah, Ray Fiennes and Ari Aster together, I, I'm sure they could do some amazing stuff. I mean, look, look what, you know, look what else he's done, shit. Like, there's a, there's a lot of good that can come from the pairing of them. Correct. Um, but yeah, uh, this was The Menu uh, from 2022, uh, and it's directed by Mark Mylod. And actually, I probably should have pointed this out at the top of this conversation, but I've think it's worth noting that apparently this uh the cast of this movie and the director assigned to it were heavily restructured um at one point so uh anya taylor joy was originally supposed to be portrayed by emma stone um two big-eyed gals (laughs) and then uh the director was supposed to be alexander payne um who is a much more noteworthy director i don't know about good um, as far as I know, he's done good stuff, but um, I believe he did Downsizing, um, which also had Hong Chao in it. So the two of them would have had a working relationship. So this director actually uh, was a replacement, as was our, our arguably our leading lady. Um, and look how it turned out pretty well, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm glad they, st- I'm glad they went with ATJ for this role. It's it's Me too. She, she has a... Uh, brusqueness that <laughs> that i think is required for this particular role yeah for uh, sure. not that emma stone is bad it's just i think it's a more natural fit for uh, sure. given where the character goes but um anyway uh, i we both apparently really like this one mm-hmm. um i'm really glad that i <laughs> i uh, was able to review paradise city uh because um I knew for a fact you wouldn't be willing to join me on that one, so I, I can cross that off my list for this year. And yeah, it totally fucking sucks. So this is quite the rebound uh, for myself and for the show in general. So that being said, um, if you'd like to uh, catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, dear listener, you can do so by uh, navigating to our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Google it. Uh, and that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Do it in the butt.
Precisely. 